marriage, in my eyes, is a partnership. You go into a marriage with somebody you, you truly love, it's your best friend. And for me, that's what drives me, is, is, is my family. And I'm glad I had my children very young, and I'm glad I found my life partner, my wife, Destiny. It's, you know, I'm blessed I can't complain, man. My mom always says, don't sweat the small stuff. What? It's all small stuff. Is this thing on? This is Overdogs Podcast. Welcome to the Overdogs Podcast, the drinking, fighting, gambling, dumb shit show. I'm your host, Bags. We got my man, uh, Smiling Sam Alvey, and my main man, Mac Malley. What's going on, boys? What up, dudes? Yeah, feeling good. Great weekend. Uh, I, I broke my foot a couple days ago, so that's, uh, that's kind of a bummer. But other than that, it was a great weekend. I mean, you must have been fighting, right? Oh, yeah. You know me. I'm just uh, fighting everywhere. It's uh, Tennessee. we got ninjas everywhere. They just pop out of the bushes and throw small sticks in front of me where I break my feet on them. Hey, Max, we were just talking about this before you got on, and I'm like, <laughs> he said he's never broken his foot. The guy's been fighting his whole life, never broken his foot, and he, he, he stepped off the step wrong and twisted it. That's how you did it, for real? Yeah, I my, my little toe touched my big toe. I mean, it folded my foot in half. It hurt so bad. I didn't cuss. I was carrying my little boy out to the car, and I didn't cuss. But man, did I want to. <laughs> if he wasn't there, you would have. Yes, I had, everybody would have heard it. <laughs> 100%, 100%. Well, boys, uh, we got a banger episode today. The legend, Mighty Mouse. I know that you guys are super excited about that. Uh, there's there's very few fighters in the world that I would geek out over, and he's one of the two of them. He's just he's as good as there has ever been. I, the, the guy is incredible. He has no flaws in his game. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Go ahead, Mac. Yeah, I mean, there's how much could you really say about DJ, man? I mean, he was one of the most like slept on. At uh, I don't know if you'd say slept on, but disrespected champs ever. I'll never forget the first card I went to in Vegas was supposed to be Jones versus Cormier one. UFC 178. Yeah. And uh, that fight got pulled. So it was Cariasso, I think. DJ filled in for him. I'll never forget, dude, people leaving during the main event of that that fucking card. I'll never. And then they they had the audacity to fucking bitch when the whole trade thing went down. So we got a lot to talk about when it comes to DJ. Absolutely. Top five best fighters all time. And a good argument for possibly the best. Stylistically, Christ. I mean, who gets better than him? Yeah, I, like, like I've said before, DJ is my number two, but only because uh, GSP went up a weight class. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at just just pure statistics. I mean, you know, the eye game, the eye test, he's fucking one of the best ever by by far. But the statistics are like insane. Twenty seven and three, I think, in the UFC, 11, mm-hmm. 11 title uh, rematches. He's only behind John Jones. That John Jones hadn't lost since he was sixteen years old at this point. Like. I mean, that's the only guy that's, that, 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 that he's behind on that, you know? And then, of course, he left. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I really want to talk to him about this, too, because you see so many more leagues, right, now that are gaining traction. And, like, I, I really want to go into this conversation with him because he was very outspoken about Dana and the way he was treated at the UFC and the pay. And then, obviously, he went, you know, and, and, of course, you know, I don't know how real the numbers are when you look online, but, I mean, it was like he was making, like, 75 k a fight at his peak in the UFC – and he moved to like 750k at one, right? Like a 10x. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's crazy. I I've never heard the numbers. Really, he was only making seventy five k at his peak. Um, that's what that's what it says. It said something like between fifty and one twenty is all he ever made a fight. And you're talking about a guy that was, you know, essentially part of the face of the league and and one of the, one of the most exciting fighters. Like that's wild to me. And 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 now I start to understand like why PFL, why one, why BKFC, you know, in a certain you know aspect, like are starting to gain ground because these guys are getting paid. Okay, one of, one of his last payouts at UFC 227 was like 380k. Okay, but no, you're right though. I mean, that's still still low for who he is. Yeah, like like a majority of his career was like 75 to 100. Oh yeah, it yeah. wasn't until way later. I mean, that's yeah. 227. So I mean, that's yeah. yeah. All right, so I, I got a quick one. So what about Sean Strickland was obviously on our first show. Is he gonna get the? Is he gonna get the fight against Izzy? What's your thoughts? He is. I, I yeah yeah I've. I've I've talked to Sean and he's, he's confident it's happening. I can't wait to see the press conference leading up to that. <laughs> I mean, dude, how the fuck do you have such a, can you, I mean, the buildup between him and Drickus would have been crazy enough, dude. Now you get Strickland's like the only person you could possibly get. That would be more chaotic than this. I mean, God, can you imagine he wins too, man? Uh, I can Ooh. imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine, but. I, I'm gonna go out and help him train for this fight because everyone knows I fight a lot like his. Let's. You all didn't have to laugh so hard. You're just more nah. athletic, but otherwise identical. <laughs> Dude, I never wake up this early in the morning. First of all, this is this should be a crime. Uh, let me go grab a drink and take a piss, buddy. We're, cool? we're already drinking. Like I said, I said I can't do too many of these shows. Like the, the last couple of shows, it was it was eight o'clock at night on like Thursday or Friday. Yeah. yeah. Monday morning at nine a.m. I I really can't be drinking. I, at least like I can once or twice, but I can't be doing this shit every every Monday at nine a.m. Anyway, cheers. I mean, we'll find out. <laughs> Let me go grab a brewski. <laughs> I had no idea we were just going to turn turn into complete alcoholics by starting this <laughs> podcast. That was that was not in the game plan. <laughs> How about two ninety one, Sam? What a banger! I, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. I mean, uh, what, Gaethje and Poirier for baddest BMF, I guess. And I guess uh, Jorge's going to give up the, the belt. I, I hate that it's on the title, that that title is on the line. I, I hate the BMF, BMF belt now. Uh, but that fight is incredible. Yeah, it is. The card from top to bottom is great. Like, 290 yeah. was phenomenal. And it was stacked. And it, and it delivered, right? Like 290 absolutely delivered from top to bottom. Bo knocking out uh, Woodburn in the yeah. first fight. I was like, I was, I was in my living room going absolutely crazy. That that was the one thing I was waiting to see about Bo is if he gets flinchy when someone's punching at him. And he didn't look flinchy. He, he looked like it was really kind of cool. He fainted the shot. He faded back. Yeah. A big one, two or two, three. Uh, His speed in and out. Mm-hmm. was super impressive. Yeah, I, I stand by it. I think he beats Izzy if they were to fight tomorrow. I don't disagree. I don't think any. I don't think anybody can beat him in that weight class. Like who fought uh, the the Jew Bear? He fought this last weekend. Uh, that's a fun fight. Say, see if his grap, if his jujitsu could could yeah. catch Bo. I don't think it could, but that's a fun fight. Maybe that's a fight to make. And it's yeah. it's. I mean, I know they're going to send Bo to the the title shot as quick as they can, and. Um, this man's in the rankings already. So, you know, but one thing I love about Bo is, is he's so calculated and he's not in a rush. 
mm-hmm. you know, where most guys are like, you know, get me the title fight immediately. And every time you see Bo talk, it's like, I'm not in a rush. I know how this works. I'm, I'm at the beginning of my career. Like, like I'm willing to step up and step up and, and, and eventually get there. And that's impressive. Like, that's a good mindset to have. You know that that's someone who hasn't fought much. Is that why he has that mindset? Yeah. Guys that have fought, like, before I ever, the UFC t- touched me, I was 24 and 4 or 24 and 3 or 2 or something. Uh, I knew at that point I am one broken foot away from, from losing every shot, from losing everything. I'm one bad decision away. Uh, I've just had enough close decisions either go with, with me or go against me that uh, if, if, if you should put some urgency on it because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's right. I mean, that's a good point. That's a good point. But it is a good mindset not to rush yourself because if you rush yourself too early in your career, you're going to get in trouble. Guarantee. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we were just talking about that. We were just talking about the bow knockout. We were, we were running through the 290 card since that was the last show with Mike Perry. And what I mean, that, that thing from top to bottom. As good as it gets. What was it like? Uh, I think it was the the, the most knockouts between uh, the undercard and the main card in UFC history under like 40 seconds or something. Shortest amount of time per fight. Yeah. Yeah. It was like four knockouts under like 40 seconds. Robbie Lawler retiring on a on a 38 second knockout. Like you, you can't get any better than that. And, and you know, it's a crazy card when it's Robbie Lawler on the undercard. <laughs> right. In his retirement fight. Yeah, and then you go on to Bo Nickel, and you go on to Moreno, two title fights. I mean, just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. The Moreno fight was good too. I was really phenomenal. That's the one I I, I got that one right. Uh, but it was such a smart fight. Like you could see both the guys changing strategies halfway through the rounds. Uh, you go from getting rocked to coming back, and it it was the fight from a fighter's perspective was just incredible. So even though Pantoja won that fight. I still think that Moreno might be the smoothest, most technical guy out there right now. I mean, he just looked, every movement is so calculated and so smooth and so quick. It's, it's like, it's just part of him. You know what I mean? No, I agree completely. (laughs) He, uh, everything he did was just, there was a purpose to it. And he smooth, smoothed it right into whatever's happening next. Yeah. But props to Pantoja. Fought an amazing fight. I mean, the, the speech afterwards, talking about, you know, his dad, uh, saying he was driving an Uber like a month before. I mean, like, or, you, you can't help but root for those kind of guys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was a touching. Hopefully, Marino, you know, gets that, wins another fight outside of a title and then comes back and gets another shot. Because I would love, I love watching him fight trilogies, I guess. Absolutely. What's for it? Quadrologies? Which he's the only one that's ever been in one. So what, is he going to do another one? Yeah, he's the (laughs) only, uh, him and and Figgy, only only quadrilogy ever in UFC history. Yeah. And I would watch him fight another four times. Every fight was as good, good enough to bring me back. I mean, Duplessis was phenomenal. Dude, no. Straight up, straight up. I remember why. I'm like, dude, fuck that card, man. Fuck that card. <laughs> Do you know why? Why? I picked every goddamn fight wrong. <laughs> <laughs> In the, hey, man, the Yair, the Yair one, remember I said I'm just going to do it just because I'm feeling brave and just to yeah. mix it up. I mean, so we won't count that one, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm counting that one. I'm counting that one. It's on your tally. All right, fine. <laughs> I I felt bad, you know. To, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. After thinking about it, Whitaker was supposed to lose that fight. They needed the Plessis to to win. They needed that title fight to happen. 
you know, against uh, Izzy. And sometimes the UFC can just will things into happening. And I, I should have, I should have put more faith into that. The UFC's ability to make a fight happen. Duplassus was great. I thought. I want Sam. I want to hear your thoughts on the 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 escapades afterwards. Like I thought it was completely out of control. Yeah, not, I a, actually, great, not a great look. Yeah, I, I made a YouTube video about it after. Like I was in the the garage that night. So I'm filming this now. Uh, it was my biggest biggest YouTube video I've ever made. I was Izzy turned me off. I mean, I I, I was a fan. I know Izzy a little bit. We watched some fights together. And I, I'm always rooting for him. And it's like, oh, I, Izzy, that was that hurt me to hear. So he, he's in there just dropping every, you know, everything I'm not allowed to say, and just at will. And there's no thought going into what he was trying to say. He was just in there to make noise. He, he reminded me of a little kid who who uh, was trying to get a reaction out of, out of uh, his parents, just making noise to make noise. Same. I mean, we all know that he's just sitting here wanting him to say it back, right? Like, that's the yeah. only reason he's saying it over and over. Yeah. And he kept everybody on the edge of their seats. They're like, is he going to say it? Is he going to say it? Is he going to say it? But, yeah. you know, Duplessis, he, he, he kept his cool. Yeah, he did. He was a full gentleman through and through from the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. He made a real fan out of me between in ring and then his uh, post uh, press fight press presser. Uh, he, everything he said was he, he handled himself like the adult in the room, uh, and he, he made a fan out of me. I was real disappointed to hear he got hurt. You know, a week later, uh, and had had the title fight isn't happening now. Been too many good injuries lately. I mean, Jamal Hill, you know, uh, Duplessis. I mean, there's been quite a few. It's just been a you know, and, and all like. A lot of tight, you know, title or potential title fights on the line as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the strangest thing. I mean, like, I just broke my foot last weekend, but if I was to be offered a title shot for Saturday, I'd suck it up and get out there and do it. <laughs> you ain't keep me from that title shot. You know, I I know the odds won't be in my favor, but they're they still- let you fight with a boot on or no? Because that'd be a hell of a hell of a weapon in there. I told y'all about my arm cast. Oh yes, you did. <laughs> Man, I'm honestly sitting here. I'm like trying, dude. Dan Hooker is a fucking pimp. I regret, like, tremendously not picking him, man. I, he, I don't even get why people turned on him. He was like a by far a fan favorite, dude. By far a fan favorite for a while. I mean, I don't know if anyone knows this. This isn't a brag or anything. It's just kind of giving some context. But I do like I'm a social media manager for some MMA pages, and so I mean, I'm I'm aware of like trending things and like who gets good clicks and shit. He was one of the top people for like, what, two years? Like around the Dustin Poirier fight and shit. All of a sudden, everyone fucking hates him. Yeah, it made no sense. Saying he was dodging fights and this and that. Like, it, Dude, it's because he ripped on... It, it was... It's because he lost, I think, to Arnold Allen. And then, um, like, what was it? Volk, when they uh, accused Islam of dehydration. Uh, right using an iv i think that was it so people started thinking he was salty or dude dan hooker is a fan favorite always has been always should be uh yeah i like that guy after that fight if the tides don't turn nothing will yeah i think it did man i think it did look at that fucking head kick he ate what in the fuck unbelievable what were you gonna say sam i mean the guy took the guy crushed an orbital bone on that face kick i said there's no way i was like it's over it was so loud on TV uh, that you thought his head exploded and the guy didn't flinch. Yeah. We witnessed our first death in UFC. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's a dead man walking. 
So when he accused Islam of hydration, you know, with, with the IV, did that just go away, or was there some test done to prove he didn't? Oh man, I can't remember. I mean, problem is you can't you can't test on an IV. I mean, how are you going to test on an IV hydration? I mean, all you can do is look for a needle mark. That's it. If I remember right, though, it's like they they kind of their team kind of came out and said like it's within the rules here or something. Like they admitted they kind of did it, but like. I'll look it up. I can't remember. There was something weird about it, like where everyone was like, oh, there's no basis to that. And then I think it might have been Ali came out and said something where it was like, wait, so you did do it. You just admitted it. But it's it, it's fine. Let me I'll look it up. So I, we've been years ago when WME bought the UFC from Zufa, they had us do seminar after seminar after seminar. And one of them was talking about the IVs, and all the all the fighters were upset about it. Oh, those IVs! We you need those, we need those. And they had a doctor in the room, and the doctor started explaining, saying, "Listen, the IVs they don't hydrate you any better. Maybe a little faster, but even to that extent, it's it not necessarily in the good way. Drinking water does one thing that an IV doesn't. It goes through your mouth and into your tongue. It, it's the hydration process starts there." And he made a really good case as to why IV hydration is not as good for you as, as drinking. So I've always sat with that. I've, I've done the, you know, the IV once before, and I didn't feel any different than when I do it with, uh, with water uh, or Gatorade or whatever else, you know, or whatever concoction it is we come up with. Uh, but that's the, the doctor made a real good point, and I've just kind of always sat with me. I, I think I'll disagree with that because my best friend is an is a anesthesiologist. Mm-hmm. And I asked him one day, I said, what, what is taking an IV? Cause look, we do, we do them when we're hungover sometimes when we're, we're on guys, golf trips and stuff. He'll bring the IVs. He said, buddy, you can't drink. You couldn't drink three gallons of water and hydrate yourself. Like you can with an IV in 30 minutes because mm-hmm. it's just, it's intravenous right into your system. I mean, there's a reason when you go to the, every time you go to the hospital, right. And you're, you're not feeling well. First thing you do is put an IV in you. Like first mm-hmm. thing, every time it's, it's gotta be an advantage. It sounds like a challenge. Uh, three three gallons in thirty minutes. I I think I can do it. <laughs> Follow my YouTube for the results. <laughs> I would have a water chugging contest. I could. Hey, I found the answer. Fight week. Four gallons a day is what I I shoot for. I get I get over just over most days. Damn. See, some people struggle to even get a gallon down. Do you really? Yeah. How many How many pisses is that? all day because <laughs> i can't go anywhere because i'll piss my pants it is an all-day thing but it was every time i every time i i go i just chug a whole everything i can so i'll tell you i'll tell you a funny story and i want to get your thoughts on this sam wanna... wait 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 uh back on the iv thing i knew it i knew it was something weird like this straight up yeah so like ali someone said something and then jeff Nowitzki had to come out and like clarify and apparently IVs are totally fine. They changed it in 2019. You just have to have a licensed professional give it to you. So it's like half the yeah, dude, Sam. Like half the fighters were like, I remember everyone being like, "What?" Because it's been you know the whole IV thing was a thing for a while, and then for them to just that's why that's why that all got messy, man. They accused him, uh, then they kind of admit it, and then Jeff says it's fine. I was almost, I was almost, I, I, I think I'm right in saying that in, in professional boxing, you still can't. I have, dude, I turn on boxing when it's, when they're fine. But here, here's one thing I didn't know, Sam, and I got to hear, I got to get your input on this because I, I didn't fully understand it. 
but uh, when Roy Jones fought Anthony Pettis in Milwaukee, right? Mm -hmm. And he had another, so it was me and Roy and like three of his fighters and we flew uh, to Milwaukee, right? And we're, we're, we fly from, from Florida to Nashville first to refuel and then to onto Milwaukee. And the guy in the back, the younger kid, uh, was cutting a lot of weight. And he's like, he's, we get off the plane in Nashville, which is only an hour and 15 minute flight. He's literally in tears because he's got to piss so bad. Okay. And I'm like, I'm like, bro, I didn't understand it. So I'm like, you're not pissing in the plane. Like you're not pissing in a bottle on the plane, right? Like you can hold it. You're a fucking grown adult. <laughs> and he's literally, by the time we land, he's in tears. The guy goes in the bathroom and pisses for 15 minutes. And I get back on the plane and, and I'm, I'm talking to Roy and them. And I'm like, bro, what the fuck is this? And they said, oh yeah, when you're cutting weight, you have to load up on so much water that it's, that it's, this is like normal protocol. He pissed seven times in the flight from Nashville to Milwaukee. It's maybe another hour, literally seven to 10 times. He filled up four bottles on the plane. Yeah. Like what, what, what is that? Yeah, you're trying to flush all the sodium, all the the everything out of your body, and, and you're not eating a lot, so it's helping to to stimulate, make you think you're eating. Uh, so it's fight week. You drink everything. I mean, all day long. Like I said, four gallons a day. That's that is my record. Just just over four gallons. Uh, yeah. But it's just all day long. If you get hungry, you drink a bunch. If you if you think you might eat, drink a bunch. Uh, and it helps flush your body of of all the nutrients, of everything that helps keep you from cramping. Uh, so, so essentially you've got no sodium left in your body. Right. So it's like mm -hmm. osmosis. It's just, it's just every yep. time you drink, it just goes straight through. Yeah. And you put it in there. It's it, tricking your body's not quite what it does, but for a little bit. Sake, yeah. You're tricking your body into knowing it's going to get more water. So it's willing to sweat water out. So when you get into that sauna on the Friday morning or whenever it is you are, uh, your body's willing to not hold on to everything because it knows it's going to get more. It's been, you know, saturated for days. So, so typically, 24 hours before I start uh, my weight cut, I stop. I stop drinking. Like for 24 hours, I'll have maybe eight, eight uh, in a small water bottle, uh, maybe, and just enough to keep myself from getting thirsty. Just letting my body start, you know, bleeding everything out, and then I get in that sauna, and hopefully, if I've done everything right, I just it, sweat just comes out. What's, what's the hardest weight, weight cut you've ever done and how often, well, like what does your schedule look like up to fight day when you start your cut? Yeah. So I've had three miserably hard weight cuts. Uh, first one was the ultimate fighter. They needed me. They needed me at 170. The final cut was 11 pounds. Uh, and it was a rough one. Um, let's see the, the next hardest one. And this was the hardest one was I took a last minute fight over in Poland. It was 10 days. I cut 42 pounds. Uh, my final cut, so in the sauna, was 22 pounds. It's the only fight in over 80 fights I've missed weight for. I missed weight by by about uh, 1.5 pounds. And it was just, a, that one was, I was ready to kill myself. And then actually my last fight in the UFC, it was 17 pounds in the last 24 hours. That was rough. That one was, I was ready to quit. I had a pound to go. And, and my wife, God, I hated her at the moment. We were on our way over there. I knew it was a pound over, and I was just giving up. So, oh, there is my... She said, listen, Sam, we, we can take a loss, but you're giving up 20% of whatever you make today. We can't take that. You have an hour to get back in that sauna. And I said, oh, fuck you. I hope I die. I hope <laughs> I die in that sauna. I, I hope you get to watch it. So I, I, I sat in that sauna. I mean, for 45 minutes, my final sauna cut, 
and you don't do saunas for 45 minutes. When I stand at 45 minutes without a break, uh, just like, I hope I die and you feel bad about it. And I made weight. So she got me on that scale and uh, it, it worked out all right. But th those are the three hardest I've ever had. We're glad you didn't die. And I'm sure you are too, but you probably meant it at that point. Oh, I, it, it, it is the dangest thing. You, if you ever get a chance to be around a fighter when they're cutting weight, you shouldn't take it because we're all jerks, <laughs> but it's just a different mindset when, when you're doing it, when you are bleeding yourself in the water, when you're just making yourself, I mean, honestly, you're getting as close to death as you think you can go without actually dying. Uh, and it's, we just turn into different, different animals and it's whoever the, men, the mentally strong ones will get back in that sauna. But I've seen a lot of guys that, that don't. So I'm the same way when I don't eat for like four and a half hours, <laughs> same mindset. I'm like, just fucking kill me. I'm done. Can't take it anymore. All right, hey guys, DJ is here. Uh, why don't we go ahead and let him in and uh, let's talk. Fucking legend, let's go. What up, boy? Demetrius Johnson, Mighty Mouse. Thank you so much for coming on, brother. Thanks for having me, appreciate you here. So DJ, where are you at? You in the Bahamas? Uh, I'm in the Caribbean. Okay, yeah. I love going, to, I'm, I'm in, I live in Florida full time, so I go to the Bahamas all the time, man. I fucking love it. Yeah, I mean, well, you, you, you have Florida, so you have that good humidity weather. You got the beach right there, and, you know, it, it's we live in Washington State, so there's no, there's no, there's an ocean, but there's no nice white sandy beach. So my, my son wanted to come to this specific island because of uh, Mako Beach, uh, where the plane lands, right? And uh, I think it's Princess Diana, and that's an airport. So he specifically picked this at 10 years old. He loves aviation, so that's why we're here. Is that is that this is that St. Martin, right, where it comes in? Yep. Yeah, that wild, wild to look at. Oh yeah, I you know everyone's like, oh you gotta you gotta go there and look at you know look at the planes and see take off and get blasted with the sand. That shit hurt. Like <laughs> I did it, and I was like, I said, fuck this. I ran and jumped in the water. I was like, nope, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, sandblasting is a real thing. But yeah, it's funny because I, I got three kids as well, right? And we live we live on the beach in Florida. And we've got okay. probably the most beautiful beaches. I live on the Gulf of Mexico. Beautiful beaches, right? Crystal, clear water, beautiful sand. And I'm like, hey, guys, where do you want to go on vacation? And every time it's the Bahamas. And I'm like, it's the same thing, right? And they're like, no, it's not, you know? It's a different country. So it's like, all right, whatever. Whatever makes you guys happy, we're good with. Yeah, I love that. It's like, we live on a beach, guys. You guys want to go to, you know, Utah, something different? Now let's go to Bahamas, Dad. We'll do that. A hundred percent. It's wild. But you know what? That leads me into one of my first questions that I did want to ask you is I always see you posting the wife, the kids, you know, you're, you're obviously very into the family, family guy. Like, tell me, and I know this, I know this as, as someone that's been there, but like, explain like what that does for you in the sense of like a drive and a dedication and even just relaying over to your, to your fighting in general. Yeah, I would say usually, I never forget what Kevin Hart said. Kevin Hart says, do not be upset what I post on Instagram. When you click follow or subscribe, whatever it may be, you are stepping into my world. And this is what my world involves. And my world, pretty much 95% of the time involves my family, my wife, my children, and obviously my other passion, which is gaming. And now it's becoming photography and, uh, and videography. But that's, you know, my life, right? You know, a lot of people want to see mixed martial arts posts and me hitting the bag and all that stuff. But when I get to do my mixed martial arts, that is my time away from my family 
and it's my time to just let my mind go and just go to work. And as I, as one of my teachers calls it, uh, we call it going to church. We need to go out there and do our passion and love it. And I know the world wants me to share that passion with people, but I don't have time. I'm like, hey, 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 record me real quick. Record me while I do this. Yeah. It's like you're not you're not limiting in the moment, right? You're not living in the moment. So for me, that's why you see a lot more of you know, my family and obviously, you know, my, my social media posts for, you know, my sponsors and people who support me as well. Yeah. But I think that's key, right? Because we, I've seen this like weird trend over the, the last probably five or 10 years of like people being like, Oh, well you shouldn't have kids and you shouldn't get married until, you know, you've got a certain level of success, right? Like that seems to be a huge thing. And then in my mind, and I know in Sam's mind, he's got a big family as well. It's like, no, you guys don't understand when you have the right woman by your side, like it makes all the difference, right? She handles all that shit that we don't have time to do on a day-to-day -day basis, right? And it's like, it just drives us harder. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's a, you know, marriage, in my eyes, is a partnership. You go into a marriage with somebody you, you truly love, it's your best friend. And for me, I feel like children, healthy children, and just children in general being healthy is wealth, right? And I think, you know, we're telling my son out here, I was talking to a gentleman, he goes, dude, like, I'm rich. He goes, I have a house in Jamaica. I got five more years here and I'm gonna go home and relax. I got oranges growing in my backyard. And I'm like, and I told my son, I was like, see, that man is rich. That man is wealthy because that's what he, that's what drives him. And for me, that's what drives me is, is, is my family. And I'm glad I had my children very young and I'm glad I found my life partner, my wife, Destiny. It's, you know, I'm blessed. I can't complain, man. Yeah, I just had to get your thoughts on that because you're one of the few guys that I see just constantly, constantly posting it. And I just think people need to understand like what a driving force that is to have a family and, and especially a damn good woman behind you. Oh, 1000%. And for me, I don't want to just to post, just to post, right? I try to post meaningful stuff and not just be on social media like bam, 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 bam. And for me, like when I see people hitting the bag and it's like we all hit the bag every you in the whole roster and UFC PFL Bellator one championship da, 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 we all hit the bag and so for me like I just don't want to be another athlete on there hitting the bag or hitting focus events right I mean if you look at probably two months or three months you go back in my backlog you won't see probably one post of me hitting the bag where I'm like oh man send me ready for training camp oh da, da, da. it's like no nah, no nah, it's like we all do the same shit. Only difference is that you got a black guy doing it instead of the white guy or the Asian or the Japanese guy. So that's why you don't see it on my Instagram. I'm not going to lie. As much as I love, as much as I love MMA, dude, I can't stand seeing hit in the bag and shit. It's so repetitive. I've seen it a thousand times. <laughs> like do something interesting. But I got a question for you, DJ. Uh, first off, huge fan. So don't take this the wrong way. But what do you have against new Mexicans? Mexicans? What do you have? New Mexicans, Mighty Mouse, New, new Mexicans. Mexicans. <laughs> can, can, you, can you clarify what a new Mexican is by, by any chance? I, I haven't oh, heard this that is term. even more disrespectful. You don't even realize. Dude, you've beaten four out of like six New Mexicans to come like into the UFC. Man, who's? I beat four. Oh, so that's Benavides. No, not Henry. Borg. Who that was that was clutch. Okay. That was sick. Borg. Benavides. Okay. Yep. Dodson. Demacio Page, <laughs> you mother, <laughs> huge fan though, but uh, New Mexico resident. How dare you? Guess where Max from? 
I, I love that. When you said, when you said John, that's I was like, isn't he black and Filipino? But if, he, if he's considered New Mexican, so I get it. People who live in New Mexico are considered New Mexicans. Yeah. So I, I got nothing against New Mexicans, you know? It's what was in front of me, and I had to go out there to put my belt. And obviously, Demacio Page, I did him a favor because I was a late replacement because one of his guys got injured. And so I stepped up on, like, I think it was three weeks notice in WEC. Mm-hmm. Hey, it is what it is, baby. It is what it, it is. It, it, it is what it is. We're honored. We're honored. <laughs> Thanks for kicking our ass. So, so no problem. You did. You did bring up, you know, PFL and and Bellator and one and all these these leagues. So that was one of the main things that that I wanted to talk to you about today was. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you, you you probably don't even know this, but my wife and I actually sat directly next to you and your boys at uh, BKFC for for Rockhold and Perry. And yes, sir. Yes, sir. I see all these leagues popping up, right? And they're start like PFLs on ESPN, and they're paying mm-hmm. major dough, right? And one's paying major dough and Bellator's paying major dough. Like, how do you view all these new leagues coming up and, and start to actually pay the guys versus UFC that's just simply not? I think it's always good to have competition in town, right? And I think with all the organizations, from my viewpoint, I think they're going to pay, you know, it's kind of hard. Right, because we don't know the actual contracts of each athlete, right? You know, you look contract for, you know, a mediocre a guy who's maybe 60, 60, 40, you know, he's on a four fight win streak and he has two losses. You know, when I was in the UFC, my contract was 250 to show and I was also the champion. So you know, always talk about like, you know, the the money is going up. People are making more money, but I still see people on you know the UFC roster still making 2020. I'm sure there's people on the one championship roster who are making 2020. Yeah. And I'm sure the same thing on PFL and I'm sure it's the same thing on Bellator. Right? So I think it's it's based on the, the, the athlete. You know, I think if you look at the bare knuckle fighting roster, you know, what is what is the median? What is entry level guy making? Obviously the guy at the top like Eddie Average, Chad Bendez, Luke Rockhold, uh, Mike, you know, Platinum Perry, they're going to make the most dough because they have a name. But it's not like the NFL when you walk in and everybody's going to get, you know, $250,000 or $300,000. There's no set, you know, price for an athlete to get in there. So there's there's no, we're not unionized, right? Um, we're not unionized. And that's why you have such huge discrepancy in pay in, in this sport. But I also think it's good that we're having more opportunities for athletes to get money but I still think that pay is still the same. Yeah, I agree with that. But I, but I like seeing at least some of the bigger names that weren't making as much in UFC having the opportunity to go elsewhere and get paid, right? Oh. Like they need oh, to get that bag, bro. Your, your career don't last that long. Yeah, 1,000%. No, I, I totally agree with that. And I think at the end of the day, it's all based on the, the athlete. As me being a position I've been, like I remember fighting my very first fight at WC where it was three, three to show, three to fight. My MRI cost me 3000 to, to get it. And I lost the fight and I broke my hand in that fight. So I came out negative. And to where the point I got to where it was like, hey, you show up, you're making $380,000 when you jump on a scale. That's, you know, championship pay. So I've gone to the discrepancy of, I worked, I came from the bottom and I got to the top. And now being one championship, I'm very happy when I'm getting there. It, it's, it's, you know, this is a tangent, but I recently started studying, um, Acting, and I don't know if you guys have seen what's going on in uh, in Hollywood right now yep. with the, the the after after strike and the writer strike. They have shut down Hollywood. There are no movies, no scripts being made right now, not one. Right? 
and you look at the biggest actors, the the A the A plus actors, you know Matthew McConaughey, <clears throat> um, Mar Margot Robbie who just did Barbie. Uh, you look at Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds. You look at the, just the list of the A celebrities, Mark Wahlberg. Then you look at the F celebrities. You don't even heard of, right? They have all been together and shut down Hollywood. Now imagine if the athletes were to get together and do that. PFL would have to come to ESPN like, hey, dude, we need our content. Yep. We need our content. Like, what's going on? Well, we have no fighters that are going to fight. Uh, I don't I don't care. You better get that. You have a contract with these, with, with the, the broadcasters, and it needs to be fulfilled. Same with the UFC, same with Bellator, et cetera. So I just sit there, and I was so moved. But to bring it back to context, I still think that the money, it's good that athletes have a different place to go and make money. But the money is still not where it is, where it could be if we were unionized. It would never happen, and just because it's the culture of us fighters. But to see that actors, they might never acted together, but they're all together as one. They shut down Hollywood. I was talking to a gentleman of mine. He goes, yeah, I can't go act right now. I'm like, why not? And he goes, because we're shut down. I was like, but you don't make as much money as Dwayne Johnson. He goes, I know, but we're, we're a union, so he has to stop. And he supports it, too. He goes, because the little guys aren't going to make money. I started at that point, and I want to see them be able to eat too. So, um, yeah, that's just that's been really in my mind lately because a couple of my buddies are actors, they're stunt, they're stuntmen, and they they don't make as much money as Wayne Johnson, but you know they're all banded together. Yeah, and, and they don't need to. You know what I mean? But they need to make more, and everybody agrees on that, right? So it's like, what's what's the solution here? And, and it's got to be some type of a union because, like, like look at the NFL, right? You got the NFLPA. What happened to the Bjorn Rebney one? With GSP Cowboy Kane and all that, I don't even remember. They, they dropped that pick I, I, that one time and then like never heard anything again. Yeah, I think like I said, I think the biggest thing with athletes in mixed martial arts, it's, it's a lot harder because you need uh, one, you can always fight somebody else to, to fight for cheaper, uh, and two, I just see it's not the same. Like it's just the culture's built different. The culture is truly different, and that's and I don't think. But I mean, you need to look at box and box is not unionized. But once again, there's a discrepancy. There's the guys who make a lot of money and there's the guys who are making, you know, two and two and four and four, maybe eight and eight. It's just it's just the nature of the beast of combat sports. I mean, even in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I've been really falling in love with the Jiu Jitsu and, I, and my kids do it. And I'm like, that is so, so I enjoy watching the Jiu Jitsu more than watching baseball. Well, how come Jiu-Jitsu hasn't got to a point where they're making a shitload of money? Like it's, or ESPN has to pick it up. Like, I just don't understand. So, yeah, I mean, we can go all day about talks about why athletes aren't making more money. I just, in, in combat sports. But, I mean, it's a question that may, may never be solved. Wait, how this even came up, you said that, you know, you made the really good analogy between the you know, writer's strike and UFC fighters, but you said that you've been studying acting and let's not glance over that. What, what do you mean? What are you trying to do? You're going to be in some movies? Oh, so, oh no, no, no. So I have a couple of buddies who, um, who do stunt work. Uh, mm -hmm. his name's Guy De Silva. He, uh, he was the stunt. He was basically Black Panther, uh, in all the movies, I believe. Oh, and shit. so I was just talking, I was just talking to him and he reached out to me and he said, that hey man, like I broke my thumb. If you have any, you know, doctors that you would recommend? And I was like, my doctor who did mine, he retired. We kept on chopping it up, and I was like, man, I would love to, you know, 
potentially do some movies. He goes, okay, well, you might want to start studying and just start looking into the see if it's something you wanted to do. So I started looking into it, and then I said, have you been auditioning for any roles? And he goes, I haven't because we're on a writer's strike. And that's when it came. Oh. Me started to start, just, just to look into more. I'm like, wow, these people are actually, you know, Mark Ruffalo, you know, the, the actor who's playing the Hulk now, you know, he was on a picket line and he was like, and I started to do more research. I was like, okay, why are you guys, you know, striking? And he was like, well, one, you know, when we used to work on television, you know, everything's going to streaming now, right? So when you work in television, a writer would have maybe 20 weeks to go to write a, a series, right? Because an episode or a season would be 22 episodes. Now you look at streaming, it's eight episodes because you can do 45 minutes. There's not, you know, our commercial, there's not, you know, 25 minutes of commercial. So everything for the actor or excuse me, for the writer, he would have 20 weeks of work where he'd be able to write an episode or excuse me, a season where now if he works for Netflix. He gets eight weeks of work. He gets a check and that's it to where when he was in uh, a season, he would get 20 weeks of work and he'll also get residuals. There is no residuals when it comes to streaming services. So just going through all that and hearing them talk about that and that's why they want to strike, I was kind of like moved and I was like, hey, that's what's up. I'm glad your guys' culture has banded together and you guys have stopped, you know, a multi-billion dollar machine, which is Hollywood, from making movies and writing movies. Yeah. I mean, like you said, there's no shortage of fighters that'll come in and take, you know, take those opportunities and fight. So it's super hard to see fighters ever getting together like that. But ideally. I, 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 yeah. I actually disagree with that. Like, like, do you think so? Yeah, I do. Dana White's contender series is literally the argument. Only, only one I have to bring up. <laughs> Here's why. Here's why, right? There's a lot of guys that can come in and play high-level football or basketball, yep. right? At a very high level. The guys that just just didn't make it to the upper echelon. And they'd come yep. in and play for 20 grand a game. They mm-hmm. would. So you can't tell me that, that their players' associations didn't have a huge effect on what what's happening now right revenue shares and all the other stuff that's coming in there's always somebody that can it doesn't matter the sport doesn't matter the the genre like there's always people that are very close to the top level that just haven't gotten there that would do it for a tenth of the price but other other leagues maintain the higher pays so I, i'm just not convinced that that'll never i feel happen. like there is a fat argument for that but i don't have my finger on it right now i'm gonna think on it though yeah, I, I think, you know, I think at the end of the day, will fighters ever band together to become a union? Like a, a governor body that, that unionizes all fighters, right? Not just right. the UFC, but just yeah, everywhere, right? I just, I hope one day it does, you know, just for the future of the sport itself, right? But I, I still think that it's so far off and the way the culture is built and how us athletes are just designed to like, nah, he got that, nah, I want that. I'm a better fighter, I'm more likable, I'm X, Y, and Z. Like, I, I just been there, like, I've been I've been there and I know what it's like and I know the feeling of rejection when another athlete gets a sponsorship that I wish I could have got, like, I just know it. Where, you know, it's just such a, a slippery slope and it's so hard and to see, you know, the biggest draws of you know, mixed martial arts in general coming together and say, guys, because you think about it, the writer strike or the actor strike, they went on a strike for 120 days, right? It, it was long. It's long. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Like, you can't, you can't think of, see, I work full time. 
when I was a professional athlete, right? You know, my coach was like, dude, you need to stop working. You're going to be champion. And I was like, dog, if you can't guarantee me a check for $400 a week, yeah. I ain't going to stop working. Yeah. To a lot of these athletes out there, it's like, man, I'm going to be a full-time athlete. I'm a professional fighter. It's like, dude, you're a professional fighter and you're making 40 k a year. Okay, let's 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 do quick math. Okay, so you make forty thousand dollars a year. Let's do twenty percent. Twenty percent is gone. Okay, so now oh, let's do forty. Let's just do fifty percent of your pay is gone. So congrats, you have twenty thousand dollars in your pocket. Okay, if you have insurance, you don't have. You got to have health insurance. So my health insurance is twelve hundred dollars a month. So there goes about thirteen k. So now you're left with what? Let's do twelve k. So there's eight k. So you have eight k. You have mortgage forty k a month. A forty k a year as a professional athlete. You're not a professional. No. You're just getting paid to fight. A professional athlete is someone who's making maybe, you know, $200,000, $400,000 a year and are not working full-time. See, I work full-time. So for me to see an athlete, a unionized athlete come together and not work for 120 days when these guys aren't even making enough money to be able to survive off their fighting career alone, it just will never happen. It just, it just will never happen. I think, I think people have too much pride nowadays where it's like, I'm a professional athlete, so I don't need a full-time job. No, you're wrong. You need a full-time job until you start making enough money to not have to work and that's that's kind of like my upbringing where i worked all up to the domino cruise fight when i fought for the first world championship and i was working 40 hours a week making but uh my pay was 1086 an hour and then let's record your week so four so i was making pretty much 2k a, a month you know time small so i was like 22k a year while fighting so i just you know when i see like my path, I got there. I'm just like, I tell my kids, guys, don't fucking fight. It's not worth it. <laughs> so so I've, got a, I've got a question here. When it comes to yeah. some of the guys staying in the UFC versus mm -hmm. going and getting big contracts elsewhere. Are you a golf fan at all or no? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, right. I know about the golf situation right now. Yeah. So this is what I compare it to, right? You had, you had the PGA and you had Live, right? And, yep. and so all the guys that went to Live, like how, in my mind, I go, you can't pass up a $300 million guaranteed contract to go play golf, yeah. right? Yeah. But so many of these guys stayed and, and essentially Rory became the face of it because the PGA pushed him to, right? And they were like, no, it's about the prestige and the honor and the, and the, the lore, right? Do you think that's part of what's going on with, the, with some of the top UFC guys that, that kind of refused to leave to go get more pay? I mean, I just don't understand why you wouldn't. Yeah, I, I think they're so. I was obviously UFC is the pinnacle of North America competition, right? Like, I'm in St. Martin and I walk around, people are like, Oh, shit, champion, champion, how you doing? I've never met these people in my life. I didn't know UFC was even out here in St. Martin, right? We're on a small island that's 37 miles, right? Uh, I think you know, one guy was like, Dude, you're the last knockout against HR Marais when you threw that flying knee, absolutely amazing. So, I've already built my legacy of the prestige of the biggest platform in Asia and North America to where now, you know, if I got the opportunity to go somewhere in the league and it's like, dude, we'll pay $200 million guaranteed, you damn right I'm going to take it, right? Like, why not? Like, there comes a point in time in an athlete's career where it's about making as much, as much money as possible and going with it. So I feel, even with um, Leone Messi, Right, like I heard he got a, yeah. a, a massive contract, massive contract 400 million to play in Saudi Arabia, and he passed up on it. Ronaldo took it, passed, yeah, he passed up on it, and he's like, You know, I'd rather go play in Miami, I'm gonna go do that. It's an athlete gets to a point if an athlete, this is what I think every athlete strives for. Every athlete strives for to make as much money and be able to have the opportunity to pick and choose which he or she wants to do, 
right? Where Preston Nagano, he was like, okay, I can go back to the UFC. They have a contract here. Or, you know, I'm going to see PFL. I'm going to see what one's going to offer. I'm going to see what Bulls going to offer. You know what? I like PFL. PFL's going to do PFL Africa. They're going to do mixed martial arts. And I'm going to be able to do boxing. I think I'll take PFL. That's what every athlete wants to do. Even, like, you know, as much as people don't want to say it, but a lot of athletes, you know, want to get to the Conor McGregor status where he doesn't have to fight. No. He goes, I fight because I want to, right? I'm going to, I got my Irish style. I got my beer. I just did a movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, that's where every athlete wants to be. In my, my personal opinion, where you get to pick and choose what you want to do instead of, hey, I have to fight because I need the money, right? And that's where... That's where I've always tried for is like, I'm going to get to the point where it's like, do I, do I need to fight? Nah, I don't need to fight. I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to go do, I'm going to go over here and do this. Do I want to, do I have to? That's where I have always driven, strive for is to get to a point in my career where it's like, I get to pick and choose what I want to do. To me, that's truly what, like, let's say retirement, the word, the word retirement, right? Yeah. Like to me, that is what it is. It's not you and going, moving to Daytona beach and living in a condo for the last 30 years of your life. It's, being able to pick and choose what you want to do and when you want to go do it. If I want to go play golf on Monday and go on the boat on Tuesday and fight on Wednesday, great. Or do something else like that. That to me is the pinnacle of like, that's the whole point in making money. Yep. I, I totally agree. No, I, I agree. And obviously, you know, in mixed martial arts, it's a lot harder to get to that point. Yeah. But if you're smart, you make investments, you save your money, you know, et cetera, you can get there a lot sooner. But, you know, if I'm, I'll be 37 next month from 37 all the way to 65 or 85 or, you know, hundred, however long I live. That's a huge gap that you got to make sure you have, you know, sustainable income coming in every single month. And that's the, that's where mine is at now. It's like, okay, how, how, you know, can you create business or invest in certain businesses where it's going to keep a nice cash flow for you every single uh, month or year or whatever it may be. That way you can have those options as we call it retirement where it's like, you know what? Shit, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go to you know Qatar this week just to see how that is and X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Sam, I know you got some questions. Jump in there, brother. What's up, man? What's up, baby? <laughs> Love your smile. I got a beautiful smile. Uh, hey, so do you remember we we met one time years ago? It was, yeah. it was in an elevator, and I I, I still geek out. Oh my god, that's it's Mighty Mouse. Hey, you have just been one of my biggest inspirations in the sport. You are as good as I was. There's always levels to being good. And you have always been close to the top of, I, I just, unachievably good. You being that, is there anybody you look up to like that, like I would to you? I mean, is there anyone that you just consider, yeah, he's better than me? Or even if it's just in the areas? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, when it comes to mixed martial arts, it, it's, I believe it, it is a beautiful sport. And the reason why I believe that is because, People have certain attributes that give them the ability to do certain things that I will never be able to do, uh, depending on the circumstances, right? You know, there's an athlete under one championship. His name is uh, Fabrizio Andrade. He is the featherweight. I think he's a featherweight. I'm I'm flyweight. Bantamweight. Yeah, he's the featherweight champion of the world. And no, is he featherweight? Their weight classes are so so different. But he fights at 155. I think he's featherweight. Um, the way he moves and the way he strikes is so clean. And the way he bounces back and forth, you look at John Jones, the way he's able, I, I always, John Jones is my go because the way he's able to move and everybody I've seen him fight, I feel like he plays with his opponents. I feel like 
the only person that gave him, you know, trouble, obviously, is Alex Yusuf Hassan, but he also partied in, you know, partied that week before, but he actually <laughs> trained, he actually destroyed him. So, the way John Jones is able to go about his fights, um, you know, Josie Al, the way he kicked, uh, Conor McGregor, the way he controls distance, he has a one knockout punch, um, Habib, the way he, you know, holds people down. Um, those guys have always, you know, been inspirations to me in my career mixed martial arts. Where I looked him, I'm like, wow, he does that very, very, very well. That's that's how I view view that. Like, I've always tried to pick take pieces of these guys, these athletes, try to emulate it for myself, for the structure I have for my body and the circumstances. Right? I can't really play distance or control distance and try to counter strike a guy like Adriano Marias, where he's five nine, I'm five three. It doesn't really work out. Mm -hmm. You know, the only I have the ability to do it, but the circumstances doesn't arise when I'm fighting somebody who is that much longer. Right. Oh, that, that that's cool. I, I, I've got a buddy, uh, Ricky Ferrar is his name. He, he's, I always call him, he's, he's a 135er. He should be a 125er. He just doesn't want to cut weight. But he's the world's strongest <laughs> I mean, he swear to God, he's stronger than I am. And I'm 100 pounds heavier. And I, he's ridiculous. He watched you. The greatest submission in UFC history is when you rock bottom Ray Borg into an armbar. <laughs> Uh, it was, I mean, it's just incredible. You inspired him to the point. It wasn't his next fight. It was a fight or two down. He, he started practicing and he did the suplex to lift from behind. But instead of the armbar, he goes to a rear naked choke where he throws him up there. And for half a second, he lets go completely and then jumped on and sunk in this rear naked choke. It was, it was almost as cool as your, uh, your armbar was, but you, you, that armbar, inspired him so i'm doing this now he does it to everyone in practice he did it in a fight live it was all because of yours do you i mean you probably answered it do you practice that do you tell everybody like if i ever rock bottom somebody in a fight i would lead every conversation with it uh it's <laughs> Sam's just telling random people at, at, at breakfast about it. Like, yeah, I rock a lot of this guy doing armbar is pretty great. By the way, my name's Sam. <laughs> <laughs> like, what uh, is that something you practice consistently, or was it just in the moment it felt right? No, it's something I practice uh, consistently in in the gym. And the reason why is because you get to a point. Well, Matt, my coach, uh, he he said. Dude, I'm getting to a point now where I can't submit you the normal way. So I have to start thinking outside the box, mm -hmm. right? And one of the things that we like to teach at AMC is you never want to fight the guy who's like this, who's, who is posture is good, he, his feet are underneath him, he's well balanced. We never like to fight that person because that's a hard fight. I don't, I don't want to fight that fight. We like to fight the guys who are off balance, who their posture is broke who are not aligned with us. So that submission came from that. That's when he did it to me. He threw me in the air and I went up like this and he caught my arm and threw me down and got me in the arm bar. And I, he, I tapped, I said, what the fuck did you just do? He goes, <laughs> he goes, I just made it up. And I was like, you must teach this to me. And then I would drill it and drill it. And then I would get behind people and then I would throw them up. And I'm like, oh, there's an arm bar. And then I started doing it to people who are bigger than me. I'll just do a, you know, a back trip. And then as they fall, I will let them fall and I'll get in the arm bar. And then I'll throw them up and land in the Kimura. And so I'm like, oh, this is a perfect, this is a perfect setup to be able to get people's back. And so when I was getting ready to fight Ray Borg, we just learned about how to shift people's weight when they're trying to be heavy. Right. right? And you know, Matt was saying, like, you have to force them to move. When you force somebody to move, then they become light. And so if you go back and watch that sequence in the fight, I mean them in the butt. 
and he was being heavy. So I couldn't lift him. I was like, okay, I'm going to need him in the butt to hopefully make him shift his weight. And then once he went like this and went boom, he hit me. I was like, perfect. You just moved your weight. And I was like, bop, threw him up and then got the arm bar. So it was something that, that's one thing I love about mixed martial arts. For me, I feel like one of my gifts is that I'm very intelligent when I'm fighting. Like, I, I, I adapt to my opponent and what they do. And I'm able to recognize when they have a weakness in the game. And yeah, so that's why I pride myself off of my intelligence in mixed martial arts. And that's where that move came from is just intelligence of that human and myself, you know, to recreate it in a life situation at a world championship level. Dude, 100% you have the highest fight IQ out of like anybody. I mean, you have a lot of people that just resort to like their best things and they're really smart fighters, but hands down, you have the greatest mind while you're fighting that I've ever seen. You know, I'll never forget when you pulled that off on Ray Borg. I had already convinced all the homies, you know, came over to watch the fight card. <laughs> I'm like, no, bro, our boy's going to get his ass kicked, dude. That's DJ. DJ's going to fuck him up. And then I'm watching him. I'm like, see, I told you. And then you went and nailed that, you know, flying whiz bar or whatever we decided. You decided to start calling it. And I was like, God damn it, DJ. You didn't have to do all that, bro. Like, that was fucking <laughs> sick, bro. <laughs> It was like we get it, bro. Just I. Well, that's the last New Mexican you beat, though. Christ, bro. Is, is that uh, is that your favorite finish, DJ? Personally? Yeah, I would say submission wise. Yeah, absolutely. I would say my two favorite finishes are probably the Mighty Wiz Bar um, and then the Flying Gets Adriano too. I mean, I think those two finishes at any level, any level, just the sequences of each of them is just pinpoint at the highest level pure technique not forcing it just through the motions letting the body do its thing and just the movement it, yeah those are my two like you know i always tell my kids i always tell my wife or people ask me goes man are you one of the greatest of all time i was like that's a huge that's a huge argument but when it comes to like flyweights you know i would definitely say like there's nobody out there that's been able to do what i've been able to do with the training and, and the, the facilities i've had access to you know, like uh, one of uh, my buddies came and watched me train. He goes, this is how you train? I'm like, yes, sir. And he goes, 11 title defenses, baby. This is how we get it done. 15 world titles. This is how we get it done. We don't have a training conditioning coach. We don't have a, uh, you know, a nutritionist like modern. We're not taking, we're not doing hyperbaric chambers. We're not, we're just doing it old school. Good love making at night. Good water. Good video game. And just chilling, having a good time and good tequila. I mean, that's that's just how we get it done. All right, what's your, hey, what's your what's your tequila of choice? I am a I'm a Don Julio guy. I'm a Don Julio and a Hill, uh, yeah. 1942. That's yeah. that's what me and the wife been drinking out here. Yeah, that's what we've been drinking out here. So that's that's my go-to drink. If I go somewhere, someone's like, "Wait, you want a Bud Light?" I'm like, "Don't waste my fucking nah." That, 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 or any beer. Like I'm a, I'm a if they brew it in house, I'll drink it, right? Because there's uh we have a farm by our house and they brew from scratch where there's no there's no preservatives there's no additives it's just you know pure as you can get the beer and i had it the other day and it was absolutely amazing and my stomach didn't hurt it was amazing so it, it's mostly to keep so i lived in uh, i lived in mexico for five years from 20 to 25 i lived in central mexico and so all i drank was tequila obviously because that's you know that's the staple <laughs> and uh and we drank, you know, 1942. We drank the regular Don Julio in the small bottle, the Añejo, yep, yep, yep. Centenario, and several others, right? And I remember coming back when I moved back to the States at 25. I, I had never heard of Patron when I was in Mexico. Oh. 
And I get back yeah. and my boys are like, we go to the bar and they're like, you know, let's celebrate. You're back in the States. I'm like, dope, let's do it. So they said, all right, we're going to do tequila. I'm like, well, what is it? And they're Patron. Never heard of it. Oh, it's the biggest one out there, right? And it's all marketing. Dude, I remember taking a shot and literally spitting it on the floor and going, hang on. <laughs> this ain't fucking tequila. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. Class A, Class A Azul, Primo. 1942 primo and there's a lot of small yeah. batch stuff out there too yeah no i, I mean you, you're at the motherland of tequila so you're drinking all that yeah. fine straight straight from the from the harvest day right. yeah i have i haven't had return since i started drinking down no. I, I, I always laugh my wife she goes we go out she goes hey baby you're gonna drink i'm like depends what they got she goes who cares it does the same thing and i was like nah nah baby it's nah. gotta be what i like and she and now she understands the, the biggest thing is that for me, call me bougie, but I love water. I love yeah. filter water. I would, I will refuse. I refuse to drink faucet water. And my wife goes, "Why don't you drink faucet water?" I was like, "Have you tasted faucet water? Have you tasted?" She goes, "Baby, tasted fine." I was like, "Here, drink." She goes, she went to the gym the other day and she finally tasted like legit faucet water. She goes, "Oh my god!" She goes, "I will never question your faucet water drinking again." I was like, I "Told you." And told you so yeah all right what's your, what's your water then what's your water as long as i mean my go-to water is by fiji fiji water fiji's good um, have, you, have you had the uh i know in the caribbean aquapana and the big glass bottles is really big uh-huh fire is it mm, yeah see water has it water has a taste to it it does it, it if, if you drink enough water you can distinguish which one is delicious and which one is like ah, okay we'll drink it, it just it's filtered but yeah I'm passed away from it. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. And honestly, like, I feel like putting it in a glass bottle, for whatever reason that is, it always tastes good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. Because it doesn't have the, not the additive, but it doesn't have that taste of the, the plastic. Yeah, the plastic or the tin or whatever it might be. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. So, all right. You're, you're, you're crushing it in one. You've talked about retirement a few times at this point. What's next for DJ? Right now, I've been just focusing on my grappling. We're really focused on uh, jujitsu and my gi. That's it. Just focusing on that. Working on other projects. You know, me and Henry Sudo got something in the works. We're just trying to get everything our eggs in a basket. I got my YouTube going on. Um, I'm working on another studio. I'm gonna do a nice little sit-down podcast kind of style thing. So right now, I'm just focusing on you know things after you know competition. Yeah. Like I always be an athlete. I always compete in jujitsu. But as far as, you know, mixed martial arts and, and fighting, you know, I'm not there yet. I'm just sitting there, just, just taking my time, enjoying, enjoying the, the downtime right now. Yeah. Are you, are you a fan of them putting, are you a fan of them putting the uh, grappling matches uh, in between like some of the big cards um, for one, obviously? I, I feel like there's like yeah, a yeah. little bit of a pace change sometimes that some people don't get, but yeah, I would love to hear your take on it. Yeah, 1,000%. Yeah, there is a huge uh, pace change. And that's just not coming from me. That's coming from the, the viewership itself, my friends, and other athletes. Uh, not other athletes, but other uh, people who are just getting into the sport. And I think it's I think it's great to give the athletes in grappling and jiu-jitsu an opportunity to be able to share the big stage of the mixed martial arts promotion. Um, you also have the UFC who's doing, you know, the, the fight pass where that's just all, the one that's Gordon Ryan's a part of. You have ADCC. You have the new Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi uh, uh, 
extreme grappling championship going on right now. So yes, it is huge. You know, you think about it. A guy who just comes out there and gets his face blown up by a flying knee or whatever, and then you go to somebody who's gonna grapple. It's huge. Like it's kind of like watching a movie, right? You're watching a movie. The very opening scene of The Dark Knight. You got, you know, the Joker, Robert Bang, He's blowing people up, and he leaves. You have Batman going. And he goes all over. They just pick back up alone. Some of the grappling matches are super exciting that people don't really have to be knowledgeable in jiu-jitsu to understand what's going on. But sometimes when you see people, you know, who are, you know, getting entangled and all that stuff, it's kind of hard for people to understand what's going on. So I definitely feel, you know, I think what you're feeling and your feelings about, you know, going from somebody getting beat up and then seeing people grapple, there is a lull in it. But, you know, that's just, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's one big benefit because, I mean, if you can keep people around, because that's what happened with that last one. Um, I forget the kid's name. The He's a nasty grappler. He tore that kid's leg up. Oh, Mike Mishimichi. Yeah, someone had just got smart. And I, I had just mentioned on Twitter, I was like, I, you know, I don't know, man. This might turn some people off, like. Because what's the number one thing people don't like about, well, you know, like more casual fans? Yeah. It's grappling. So it's like yep. your trade-off is maybe it's going to educate fans on the, you know, how the depth of the ground game. So, I mean, it's a trade-off, but I just, yeah, I wanted to get your take on it because it's funny. It's different, really different when you see someone get smoked and then, you know, you're watching someone scramble legs looking for a hill hook or something. You don't understand. I don't know. Yeah, I just wanted to get your take on it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I said, I think I think your view your viewpoint is absolutely valid. Trust me, you're not the only person that I've heard this from. I've I've heard it from people who just got into one championship because I fight over there, and they're like, "Dude, what?" You know, a gentleman goes, "Why did he screw across the case like that?" And I was like, "That's that's what he does." He goes, "It looks like my dog when he has shit in his ass." And I was like, "Well, when he gets to you, he's gonna destroy your leg." But you know, that's that was an honest comment that my. Uh, you know, his buddy who lives in my neighborhood, he goes, I've never seen him before in my life. And I was like, that is grappling. Um, you know, and it's, it's different, you know, for me, when I watch uh, grappling at the highest level, you know, there's certain rules that I like and there's certain rules I don't like. And I know with Abu Dhabi Championship, you know, they ding you if you pull guard, where it's like, you have to wrestle. Like for me, wrestling is a huge, huge part of my game. And I feel it's part of a lot of people's grappling game. And for me, I, I enjoy watching more gi grappling than no gi grappling because the gi, no gi grappling has always been, it's all leg lock. It's all ankles, heel hooks, knee bars. That's what it all is. When you see the gi grappling, it's, you're seeing the judo come out. You're seeing, I saw a guy, he dropped down to a deli heba and he wouldn't get deli heba. So he, he let go of this one, grabbed this corner, went in for a, a, a fireman carry and threw the guy down. I'm like, oh my God, like, like geek grappling to me is just like so beautiful of the movement you can do when you have that tool on your body. It's like, it's almost become like a new breath of fresh air for me to watch because when it comes to mixed martial arts, yeah, you're gonna have a guy who's faster than this guy, right? You know, nobody's gonna be like, bah, 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 and be able to move as fast as me and get the angles as I can. You know, he'll be able to nullify that if he's longer than me and he understands distance. But when you put that gi on, it stops the movement. It stops, it just, I don't know. It just, I don't know. It's fascinating to me. So that's been my, my love. Me right now, you go to my Instagram feed. It's all, it's all geeks. Did you geeks? Did you? It's all just, wow. Wow. I'm going to try that in the gym. Wow. Wow. I'm going to try that in the gym. So. Have you seen, uh, have you seen karate combat yet? 
I have. I love that too. That shit's hilarious. It's cool, <laughs> isn't it? It's cool, man. Yeah. That is my dream. I'm trying to get in there right now. I, I have so much fun watching every Karate Combat card. I've put in the word for, for you, Sam, already. So Yeah, good. Please. There's something fun, man, about fighting in the pit and the CGI screens behind it and the crowd just being right on it. You know what I mean? There's just something exciting about yeah. it. I remember I, take, I took uh, Roy Jones there. And we fly down to, it was in Orlando at the time. It's now in Miami, but it was in Orlando at the time. And I'm like, let's go down here and check this thing out. Like, I don't know much about it. I like the guys that are like running the league. Dude, and we sat right on the wall. I know Mac was there as well. And when we left, Roy was like, that was some of the most exciting shit I've seen in a long time. You know, it's just a fun, it's a fun deal. Yeah, I think the combat, the the the, the pit that it had, it kind of reminds me of the, uh, the old, 90s game called pit fighter and also you're right there on it like you are you're on, on it. it you're on it and so it's almost kind of like a more of a what's the word about uh a different experience yeah right like you're there it's very intimate that's yeah. what I was it's very yes. intimate experience because it, they're not looking to sell out twenty thousand arenas yeah right they're not a seating they're looking to sell maybe 200 300 tickets yeah. you guys are all there this is the fight enjoy it um i remember i did a reaction video on um, yep. that sport and they came through a portal and i was like they came through a portal yeah i'm like, gonna come through a portal and they're like you come through portal anytime so that was kind of cool and i think i think it's always good to have different different things to watch on television i truly believe that like whether you like grappling in you know one championship that's okay if you don't like to grapple you're more welcome to tune out go get a beer go use the restroom whatever it is what it is and they come back to the fight or if you like to grappling step away from the jiu-jitsu step away from the fighting come back and watch the grappling right so i think with a, a friday combat i think it's good it gives athletes who went through a whole lineage of not lineage but who spent their whole life in karate gives them an opportunity to go out there and compete yeah. on a big stage make good money and who knows who's going to come from it right so i and it brings more eyeballs to karate like yeah. just pure karate right so i at the end of the day, I think more opportunities for combat sports to get a, 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 to make money is always good in my book. I want to see everybody eat. 100%, right? Like, because I grew up on karate. And I think Sam actually grew up on karate as well. Um, but yeah, that's like the most basic form that, that, at least in the U.S., right, that people get yep. involved in, right? And so it's yep. great to see those guys get a platform to be able to fight and compete on a level where people are watching. Um, but I do have another question about because here, here's kind of my situation is Naoki Kawa hit me and I know you and Naoki are good friends. And he's like, yo, I want you to go out. I had not watched bare knuckle. And honestly, yeah. I was a little bit like, I'm more of a casual fan. I'm not a fan of like the, 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 the Khabib style, the, the, the wrestling mm -hmm. and then just, you know, just yeah. overpowering people. I'm not a fan of it. I like action. But at the same time, I was like, he was like, I want you to go watch bare knuckle. Mike Perry's fighting Luke Rockhold. And I was like, eh, it may be a little bit too much for me. Just from like a, just a savage standpoint, <laughs> right? I was like, it may be a bit much, but I took my wife who casually watches MMA with me at times, not a fan, right? And we flew out there, sat next to you. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time because the action is just like that, right? Yeah. What did you think about that? And, and what kind of future does that have? Because I found it electric. 
Yeah, so I, I remember sitting next to you and your wife. Um, I, I remember you, you had a beautiful watch on. I think you had the Sky Dweller on with the platinum. It was a was it the Rose Gold? I think it was the Rose Gold Sky Dweller. That's right. And you had the the, the, the rubber clad. The Oyster on Band. It, the band. God bless. The Oyster Band. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, <laughs> I'm a watch guy. I know my watches. And your wife had on. I think it wasn't a Ublo. It was. It might have been an AP. I wasn't sure. It was either an AP or a Yeah, it, I think it was the AP. It was AP. Yeah. It had diamonds on it. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, it was absolutely amazing um, to see that. For me, I always will. I always will put mixed martial art as the pinnacle of combat. Yeah. Right. Because if you, if you get in a fight in the street with somebody, they're not. It's not going to be. Oh, you fell down. Get back up, bub. Come on, let me see you too. They're going to follow you to the ground and they're going to start grappling and all that stuff. So I remember when I was at that fight, some guy tried to call me out during a fight. And I was like, dude, I fucking need kick and elbow. I'm not just going to break my hands on your face. Right. Like, I'm going to try to elbow you, but. I think bare knuckle fighting has an opportunity to go very, very far. Not not just bare knuckle fighting like that organization, but in Toronto, Jorge Masvidal has a bare knuckle fighting. Yeah. I think Rudo Santos and Verdun are about to do MMA bare knuckle fighting, which is going to be absolutely insane. Like when every time I hear, I'm like, y'all about to y'all y'all training your your, your four ounce gloves to go bare knuckle, huh? Okay. Good for you guys. You might not know this, uh, but me and Malky and uh, Mike Perry are right now. Uh talking about doing one. Oh yeah we'll talk about that later it's ground level <laughs> ground level yeah uh you know i i think definitely the fans love it i mean that's i mean that if you look at the very efficacy stages of combat sports being on mixed martial arts being on television with the efficacy stage of ufc that's what it was bare knuckle anything goes you grab the balls you can eye gouge you can you can eye gouge you can't fish up but that's what it. That's where it went, and that's where people love. And now you're starting to see uh, people, you know, watching Eddie Alvarez and the Chad Mendes fight. I was on the edge of my seat the whole entire time, the whole entire time, because you had guys who are legit good, amazing athletes, great boxers, and they're going at it. And I know what it's like to be hit, you know, not without no gloves on, but to get hit and them to hit each other. When uh, I mean that fight was fireworks. The Mike Perry versus Luke Rockwell fight was absolutely sick. I knew when, it, like, every once in a while when they make a matchup, you know, I'm going through all day. I've been in the sport for 18 years. And I've seen the best matches. I've seen the shittiest matchup. But when I saw that Mike Perry versus Luke Rockwell, and I said, "Oh shit, okay, this, 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 this I got a chubby. I got it's a chub. Fun. Yeah, yeah, it's fun." And then, then when I saw it was uh, Chad Mendes versus Alvarez. Uh, Eddie Alvarez, I was like, "Babe, give me." Give me some new underwear. I just made a mess in my pants. Bro, that's like the banger we never knew we needed. Right? Exactly, right? It was always right there. You never even thought about it. And you're like, holy shit. Exactly. And, you know, Eddie's a dog. Chad's a dog. Mike Perry's a fucking savage. Uh, I mean, and I, I knew. And then going to that fight, I was like, you know what? Luke, his greatest asset is his kicks. Mm -hmm. His kicks and his jujitsu. And he traded that in. He traded it in. And I said, you know what? When Luke gets hit, Mike Perry's our bender. He knows it. He 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 yearns. He loves to get hit. He said, "I want you to break my. I want you to break your hands on my head." <laughs> yeah, he loves this shit, right? So when they when they exchanged for the first time, and when I saw Luke, I when I, uh, when I saw Mike got hit, Mike was like, "Yeah, come on, I yeah. want it, come on." Yep. And I saw Luke got hit, and I was like, "It's over." I was like, "Mike, Mike is built for this shit." Luke, hey, Luke did not like it. No, I am not built for that shit. I'm no, I get it. I get it. I am not. But yeah, I think vertical fighting has a future in, in uh, entertainment, 
1000%. As long as it's marketed the right way, at the end of the day, you know, you can get so many investors involved. At the end of the day, the investor is going to run a return. And if they can't land that big, that big, you know, television deal or streaming deal, whether it be Amazon, Hulu's, the stream platforms, it's going to have a hard time thriving in the longevity of it, right? You look at affliction, same thing. They're doing the same model as everything else, but there's always a king in town. And that's what everybody's trying to strive for is try to be king in town. And I, I think growing up with fighting, it's entertainment. I enjoyed watching it. Um, yeah, when, when I see the guys I enjoy watching fight, I'm definitely going to tune in. You know, next time Eddie fights, Bare Knuckle fighting, yeah. you bet I'm going to tune in. Mike Perry fights. I'm <laughs> yeah. I always tune into Mike. Perry. I've always tuned into Mike Perry's fight. I even love when he fought in the UFC. Yeah. I think you know, and he's always been a realist. That's one of the things I always appreciate. I never really get when he was like, "I'm not paying these coaches to give me water between rounds and tell me what I need to do." He goes, "I'm going to keep that money in my pocket and have my girl tell me, give me water, baby. You're doing great, baby. Okay, that's all I need. Let me go out there and work." I was like. I'm a fan, like, so, yeah. I think it's capped, though, you saying, you, you know, you're not built for that or whatever. Like, I'm not I'm not telling you to go do bare knuckle, man. I love seeing what you're doing. No, but no. you fucking did Muay Thai against Rod Tang, my man. So let's not, you know, feel like that's a little bit of cap. Yeah, yeah, but I've broken my hands multiple times. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. You know, when I when I go and fight, they're like, how do you want your hat? How do you like your hand wraps? I'm like, make these motherfucker pillows. <laughs> I do not want to break my hand. I don't care about knocking my opponent out with my hands. I have multiple ways to knock my opponent out. Um, so when they're like, when I go out there and they're punching and they're hitting each other with their bare knuckles, I'm like, nah, dog, I'm these guys. I have pillow hands. Like, I like pillows on my hands. All right. So I got, I got one question before we move on to something else. Mike Perry, bare knuckle, who would you like to see in that next matchup? Who would be, who would be a dope fucking fight there? He's been beating everyone's ass. It's like Pre present company included. Yeah. You know, it's 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 very hard because right now the roster of you know bare knuckle fighting isn't as fruitful as other organizations, right? I think them bringing in Luke Rockwell to fight Mike Perry was the smart thing to do to bring more eyeballs. You get that's that's I mean that's the name of the game. Yeah. Right. So I mean, obviously, if you see Connor versus Mike Perry, I mean, Mike Perry destroys Connor because destroys Connor's going to, yeah, Connor's going to have that precision, right? But Mike Perry's going to eat that, and once he eats that, he's going to gobble his ass up like you know, turkey. Yep. Right. So to find somebody who's going to be able to like battle Mike, I don't know, man. Like Mike Perry's in his league of his own when it comes to Bernard. You know who I like? I like him and, and, and him and AP, Anthony Pettis. Oh, but see, Dude, but see, Perry just washes. He's a dog. He's got good boxing. Mike, good boxing, but he ain't, he ain't a bigger dog than Mike Perry. No, I don't, no, I I don't know Andy. that there is one. Dude, I learned. I, I stopped, I, like, even doubting this shit. Like, bare knuckle when uh, we saw Artem versus Pauly Malignaggi, and he won. And I go, so yeah. look, dude, that dude... I'm not in any fucking stretch of the imagination is a better boxer than Pauly Malignaggi even now. But that dog, bro, with the bare knuckle aspect, yeah. it makes Perry elite. I mean, I even yes. picked Perry against MVP. And MVP is one of the... So I, I'm with you, dude. He beats Connor. Yeah. No one's beating Perry unless someone's got to sack up and tag him to something. I don't... No one's beating him, man. I was hanging out with him the other day, and he was like, you have to kill me. You literally have to kill me. Yep, that, that's that's me. You won your corner. I, I don't. 
that's hard to see. And, you know, obviously, there are better boxers than Mike Perry, but it's not a boxing match, right? right? It, 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 it's a bare knuckle fight where they're fighting there. I mean, the punch he hit Rocco knocked his tooth out. wasn't a, It wasn't a, a, a Chris. It was like a. Nah, it was yeah, like a you yeah, know more like that, double, dude. Hey, and all it was yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. It was like I'm done. Like I quit. So, I, I mean, when it comes to who's next for Mike Perry, I mean, whoever you put in front of him, it's gonna be an exciting fight because he's time Mike Perry fights. It's always exciting. You know, Sam Alvey's, you know, biting the, you know, the bit to get in there and, and try to make, you know, maybe, maybe see Sam in there. Sam, you get in there and fight Mike Perry, see if you can put him out. But yeah, it, it's, it's an exciting sport and it's an exciting time right now where social media uh, ha is at the, the peak and all it takes is one viral moment and you're going to have millions of fans wanting to see more action for bare knuckle fighting. Yeah. Oh, wait, dude, it's Darren Till. It's got to be Darren Till. Ooh. Darren Till would be fun. But but then again, you know, my Perry's a fucking dog. He beats Darren Till. Oh, he beats Darren Till. Dude, he when he we talked, he fucking he said he beat his ass like bad. He wants people to drop it at the at the infamous spa session they had. Yeah. They said they said they went at it. But back back to Anthony Pettis versus Mike Perry, that's another athlete. You're taking away his greatest weapons, which is his jujitsu and his kicks and his and his opportunity to be uh What's the one looking for? Creative. Right. Right. When Anthony Pettis is in, in the in the ring and he's doing mixed martial arts, he's very creative. Going off the cage, I never forget back in 2013 when I fought uh, John Dotson and he fought Donald Cerrone versus Anthony Pettis. He literally ran up the cage and kneed Donald Cerrone, right? People don't see that. Like I saw that. He went, boom, kneed him. Then he kicked him to the liver and dropped him. Like that is his greatest asset, it's his creativity and his kicks. So for him to go into bare knuckle fighting, he's taking away his great his greatest gifts. You know, for me, if I wanted to bare knuckle fighting, I'm taking away my greatest gifts, which is be creative, my kicks, my clinch, my knees, my wrestling, my jujitsu, my hands, my boxing is going to be good enough to be able to be successful in bare knuckle fighting. And I realize that, and I'm a man enough, and I'm smart enough to say bare knuckle fighting isn't for me. Hey, if you if you can't, I'm not, and I'm not saying the people who are successful in bare knuckle fighting are creative. I'm just saying for myself and guy like Anthony Pettis, we are doing ourselves a service to do better of fighting because we're leaving our greatest tools yeah. back in the shed to go try to build a house. We're not gonna be able to build a beautiful house. But I will say this, Anthony looked great because I flew out with Roy to that fight mm -hmm. in Milwaukee. And look, Roy is it, Roy to me is the GOAT of all time to me. He's obviously at 53 years old, he's not the GOAT anymore. But, Anthony, but he still looked good, right? And Anthony yeah, looked absolutely. great against him. Anthony was in his face the entire time. His boxing was on point. Like, he was good. I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. I, I'm always looking for, like, who, who, who could be this absolute maniac of Mike Perry? I don't know. You guys are missing the, the, the real sports. All these sports are getting big and bad. I've started talking to this thing called Night Fight. And it is where you dress in a suit of armor. They give you a shield and a sword. Dude, I put it down. There's one here in Nashville. I will be the champion of night fight. There's no money in it. But, but the honor and pride I will have, you know, <laughs> getting my sword raised at the end. Hang on. Is it like is it like at Disney World where you get like the turkey leg and the No, no, it's it's MMA in it's fucking legit. armor, dude. Like I've seen a clip of this, like I don't they're like in a fucking field, man. But there's like an actual like ring and Dude, yeah. this dude gets him down with the tip of the shield and bashes him in the face with it. 
Uh, I'm telling you, it looks amazing. Dude, I'm down. I'll come train with you, Sam, for that. Deadass. I found him on TikTok, and I'm just, I, I, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I, DJ, who do you like? Who do you like right now? Up and coming. There's so many good names up and coming in the sport. Uh, whether whether well established or like really really up and coming. Who are your Who are the guys that like get you excited about the sport? Yeah, I would say uh, Fabrizio Andrade. Uh, he's probably my favorite uh, athlete right now in one championship. Oh, Chinguez, Chinguez Alizas. Uh, he's about to fight in one championship on Amazon Prime. I believe it's August fourth. Um, absolutely amazing kickboxer. I mean, he just knocked out Super Bond. His pressure, his kicks. It's it's beautiful. Uh, you know, you you have your your fan favorites. You know, Israel Adesanya, um, Ily, Ily Deporia. Uh, Ily Deporia. He. So I'm gonna go on a little uh, rant about Please him. Do. So, like like I said, for me, I've been in the game for so long. I like to pick and choose. I, when I see athletes do certain things and certain styles as they do, they catch my attention. Right? I've seen him fight before, but then I was like, okay, it's another great fighter. Another great fighter. Then I saw him fight his recent fight against Emmett. And the things that he did, I think people didn't realize that he did, which made me a fan of his, is when he would drop Emmett, he didn't go in there and try to punch him. He passed guard. Yeah. He focused on passing guard first and then start his his next attack. Um, the way he sits in the pocket in his boxing, and his brother's good too. I saw a clip of his brother doing some boxing. The way he sits and out, he doesn't really overextend when he boxes. Um, also caught my eye. So he's another guy that I have my eye on. And only and the only time we're gonna see him his at his greatest is when the time arises when he meets a foe that's gonna bring it out of him. So when he fights Alex Volkanovski, you just say foe. Oh, Volkanovski. Uh, foe. Oh, foe. When he fights his next right. foe, I've just I've not heard anyone say the word foe in maybe a hundred years. Hey, hey, Sam, Sam lives in Backwoods, Tennessee. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, my, when he uh, fights his next opponent, uh, which might be uh, Alex Volkanovski, it's going to be an interesting thing because Volkanovski, you know, when me and Henry get to our next gig, you know, I'm going to go around here. How the hell is Alex Volkanovski outstriking everybody who's longer than him? There's no reason why that he should be able to outstrike uh uh, what's the jump he just beat? Uh, Pant uh, not Pantoja, uh, Pantera. Yeah, 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 Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah, Rodriguez. There's no reason he should outstriking him. There's no reason he should outstriking Holloway. Max Holloway. He's outboxing. He out. He outboxed. Uh, is on Makachev. You know, he. There's no reason why his jab should be landing over Max's and Yair, right? But he, for some reason, he's able to do it, right? So when he fights Illy. It's going to be different because Volkanovski has a very high IQ. So yeah. it's going to be interesting. So Ily's another guy. Uh, you know, there's so many great athletes around the world that that are amazing. But right now, those are the guys, like, when they fight, I'm like, hey, when I saw Ily, when he fought Emmett and he passed guard, he was doing things that are right. You know, that's the one thing my coach always says. He goes, you pass guard. It's, it's position before submission or before attacking. Don't worry about trying to land a big bomb in guard or, or big bomb outside of guard pass guard then you do whatever the fuck you want and when he did that and i was like check okay you're on my radar now i'm a fan i like watching henry i like watching uh what's his name uh pantoja i was very happy to see him finally become a champion yeah i've always felt he was a dark horse in the flyweight division 
And, you know, you have Azure Sterling, he's going to fight Sugar Sean O'Malley. I'm going to tune into that fight. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of fighting. I'm also a bigger fan of the guys I've actually shared the cage with and I've seen fight live. So, but yeah, but Billy, Izzy, Fabricio, Andrade, uh, those three right now are like my, you know, John Jones. John Jones is going to do what he wants. John, to. John just does it. He, he didn't have to go to 265 to be a heavyweight champion. No, he didn't have to do that. So no. for him to get fat like that, oh, excuse me, I don't want to call him fat. For him to get, you know, a little gully, I think he could have done it with his abs. That's my personal opinion. But then again, maybe he didn't want to have abs anymore. John, look, John's a goat. I, I think I saw an ab in there, though. There was an ab or two. Maybe it's just, it's just big. Yeah, but it was, just, I, maybe it was covered up a little bit. But he also just turned, what did he just turn 39 a few days ago? No, no, no. 38? No, we're the same. No, he's 30. I'm older than him, so he must just turn 35 no, or 36. You're, you're older than John? Yes, sir. I didn't know. Yeah, I'm be 37. I think I'm a year older. Him and my... Is it my oldest? My middle... Him and my middle have the same birthdays. Right he just turned 36. Age. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we were hanging out one time, and uh, I was like... I'm your fucking elder. You need to respect me more. <laughs> and he was, he was like, come on, buddy. Don't talk to me like that. Uh, we're in Seattle. He probably doesn't remember. But, yeah, I'm a huge fan of John Jones. I think he's a GOAT. I honestly think what he did to Ciro Gane, he didn't have to get to 265 to do it. Like, I think John Jones could have been 245, 235, shredded, fast, mean. I mean, the funniest part about that whole thing was, like, because um, I, went, I went and uh, hung out with John prior to the fight. And I'd never mm -hmm. seen somebody so calm, collected, prior to a fight. Like, mm -hmm. just just no thought process of, like, this is the main stage, right? And I think that's a huge part of, like, high IQ fighting and guys that are prepared, like yourself, like Volkanovsky. Like, they don't get yep. rattled. You know what I mean? It makes such a huge difference. Like, you could tell Gan was like, this is the, this is the big stage. Right. And for John, yep. it was like, it's just another fight and I'm prepared for it. And that shows obviously and then results. Yeah. I mean, he's been, I mean, he's been one of the greatest, greatest the whole time he's been in. He's undefeated. Um, he's done everything. He can do everything. He's submitted. He's knocked people out. He's decision people. So, I mean, when he goes and fights <sighs> Steven Miocic, I can't wait to see that fight. I think Steve is in for a long night. And I think John Jones is going to get done. And John Jones is going to retire as a champion that he is. And uh, I can't wait to see what he's going to do next after he's done fighting. But John Jones has made so much money. He can do whatever he wants. He's at that point where he can pick and choose when he wants to fight, if he wants to fight. Or he, I mean, I know he did a grappling match. I think it was with Dan Henderson. He did a I want to see him going to, yeah. yeah, he did a uh, grappling match. And it's just like GSP. GSP, same thing. Retired as a champion. Now he's about to come back and grapple. Super excited to see him grapple. I mean, us athletes, we're always going to look for a way to compete, but we're just going to do it the best way we can where we're not going to, you know, get brain damage. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? You got to get out at the right time. And so I hear like, yep. I see this all the time in different, in, not only in MMA, but NFL, especially more particularly, and people retire at this young age and then everybody fucking bitches about it. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, guy, the guy just made $35 million playing, you know, offensive center or whatever, you can't complain about him retiring because he wants to keep his fucking brain intact and be able to live for the next 40 years without hobbling around. Like, it doesn't He'll make any still sense. still bitch when you stay around too long. 
Then, and then they get mad about, oh, right. you're right. You can't win. You guys can't win, DJ. Either you stay no. around too long or you don't stay around long enough. You guys are fucked, right? Yeah. Publicly. Yeah. No, I, I, think, I think if the athlete, whether it's football, basketball, mixed martial arts, boxing, if the athlete is open about and transparent about why they walked away from the sport, I think fans would understand. Yeah. Right? And, you know, think about it, like, if your wife's going to divorce you, and let's say you're a piece of shit of a husband, she's going to divorce you, and she comes out transparency and tells you why she's going to divorce you. I think you know, I think you can stomach a little easier, right? So yeah. I think for for athletes out there, if they are open and transparent, like guys, like I've done everything I can in this sport. Uh, 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 in this sport, I made good money. Now I have other things that are pulling me away from this, and I don't. I know that I can't be the best version of myself when I step in there to compete or step in there to snap the ball or step in there to let up on the line and catch this ball. So I'm going to, I still, don't get me wrong, I'm still, I'm still a good athlete, but I'm not where I was before. And I realize that. And I think it's time to walk away. My fans, I love you. I appreciate you guys, you know, tuning, tuning in to me play football, but it's time for, you know, a train to move on to the next thing in life. And, and a lot of athletes have a hard time doing that because that's all they've ever known. Right. So they got to be able to have different passions and different things that keep their mind fresh, whether that's learning how to play, you know, an instrument, you know, spend time with children, travel, learning language. That's the biggest thing. And that's what life's about is, you know, have an opportunity to do whatever you decide you want to do. Yeah, I would I would love I would love to sit down, honestly, with a lot of the UFC guys and say, you know, here's how if, if you're five years out from retirement. Here's like how we can build a plan for you to have money afterwards and build something afterwards and get endorsements and use that stuff. Because I don't think anybody does a really great job of that right now within that sport. Well, I would say, so here's the thing. Interesting. In the very beginning of my time at the UFC, they used to thing called fighter summit. It was, I thought it was very, very, very good. I've learned a lot from the UFC fighter summit. Um, you know, a couple of things was, you know, building your brand, you know, it's free. It's free to build your brand on social media. This is why when Twitter and Instagram are starting to take off. And then, you know, one of the things I remember that Dana White says that stuck with me is like, you need to save your fucking money because your one of opportunity to make money is very small. You got to save for a rainy day. And so they would try to do a good job of telling us to do that. But it's just like going to high school or, or, or you know, they don't teach you about how to pay bills, pay insurance, invest your money. Like for me, the only thing I, I don't regret, the only thing, if I were to take you know, I, I, you know, I went from a, you know, a LLC to, uh, you know, C corp to S corp to now I'm an organization. Now I'm, I funnel my money through all this stuff. They don't teach you that in high school, and the professional league is going to teach you that as well. Yeah. So, I think it'd be a good thing for athletes to have that that financial literacy, but it's very hard because you can't really take advantage of the tax holes and all these little step IRA and S corporation running your money through that stuff until you hit a certain threshold of financials uh, of, of finance, right? So if a guy is making 80K a year and that's his full-time gig, he, he, he puts, he just, he can't have the opportunity to take advantage of that stuff. So that's why I think it's not very talked much about in mixed martial arts, NFL, basketball, NBA, there's be no fucking reason those guys go broke. If they go broke, they're dumbasses and they have horrible managers around them. But, in MMA, I just don't think athletes have hit that that threshold of finances yet, where they can learn and be able to utilize those 
those tax incentives. I, I've always talked about uh, with uh, the M MMA guys, you don't make any money until you're in the UFC, for the most part. There are a couple exceptions. But as soon as you're in the, as soon as you're making money, you've already put yourself in so much debt trying to be good enough to be in life. <laughs> and so you get that first big payday, you win a bonus, or you win a, you just kind of pay off your debts. And then you're immediately going back to, to uh, uh, trying to make, you know, ends meet again. And it's just an uphill battle until you're 10 fights into the UFC-ish until you're there. And, and that's that's kind of what I've always seen with people. So all my young students that are getting bigger and better, I said, save your pennies, save everything off the first couple fights. That's one thing I never understood with my career in mixed martial arts. I got to pay for my training camp. I got to pay for my training I was like, I, I will never understand that. Like for me, I, you know, and that's probably why I was probably successful because for me, I trained with a whole bunch of hobbies, right? Like my main training part. So at the very beginning of my career, when I was going on, you know, that long reign of consecutive title defenses, it wasn't like, oh man, we're getting ready to fight John Dotson, the new Mexican. We got to bring in a softball. We got to bring in a guy who's fast, who hits hard, X, Y, and Z. We were like, hey, this is the team we got. Let's try to imitate John Dotson the best we can to make sure we're the best new shots when we show up. So me going on and hiring a nutritionist, hiring these athletes to come in and fight and help me train for the fight, my training camp was absolutely zero. All it was was just my training, my my fee to pay the gym membership, which was like 190 bucks a month. So when I hear, you know, I remember Misha T goes, I gotta pay for my nutrition. Nutrition is, you know, you 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 eat, you eat. You're you're gonna pay for nutrition whether you're professional athlete or not. So I've always, you know, I've never gone into a fight. Only time I've ever gone in a fight negative was when I had to pay for my MRI in California. Yeah. And that was only, and it was 3K back in the day. So for me, when I hear, oh man, I gotta pay for my training camp. I'm like, what? I don't understand why you have to pay for a training camp. I, I just understood it. But then again, I never brought people in to help me train for a fight. It was just my core team. And when my guys get ready for a training camp, if I'm able to eligible or available, I can help them get ready to fight and I don't ask for a penny. But yeah, I, I'm the same way. Even, even management, I switched to my wife manages me. Uh -huh. so, I mean, there you go. I, she takes a hundred percent of everything I make, but <laughs> still, still a better deal than than paying a manager to do what it, most people can. You know, most people can manage themselves. And with social media being as good and as available to all of us fighters now, uh, the, the sponsorship and everything—it's not so much about putting their name on your butt. It's about being able to advertise them well and communicate well with with an audience. Uh, which is, you know, the, the management, they all swear they're going to bring you a sponsorship and then they don't. Well, yeah, I would say, and, and, and I know we're going on a huge tangent, but I think the beautiful thing, a lot of beautiful thing, but the thing what's important about management, if you have a good relationship with your management, mm -hmm. right? Like me, first time management, me, Malky. I remember the first time I met Malky back in 2012 after I won my, my championship and John Jones was there and he gave me his card. He goes, hey, my name is Malky Kawa. I would love to manage you. And at that point in my career, I was like, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to manage it. I was just focused on trying to be the best martial artist that I could be. And, you know, fast forward, we now I'm signed with them back in 2018, 19. Great, great relationship. Um, the, the sponsorship market isn't what it used to be back in the day. We had Condom Depot, you know, sponsor everybody. You had, you know, yeah, Tool yeah. Shed sponsoring you now. Now, you know, it's very hard to find sponsors. So, you know, like Copy Panda, them with their, the apparel brand it's been great for athletes because the only time an athlete makes money is when they fight right or when they play ball or when they you know play basketball right so 
nowadays to find sponsors that are going to show up, you know, pay and be a cool brand is very, it's very, very few, very, very few in between. Back in the day, you had Venom, you had fucking uh, Protrosion, which was one in Brazil. You had so many of them. Now it's very, very, it's, it's slim pickings to be honest with you. It's very, very slim pickings. Yeah. Which, which I love to be a part of because like, I just want to build a cool brand within the combat sports arena, which is massive. And we're not mm -hmm. fucking tap out and we're not affliction. And it's not that shit that everybody's so used to over the last decade. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's funny because one of my boys, uh, I have a Discord. I'm sure you know what a Discord is, right? You have yeah. Discord, right? Of course. Yeah. One of my boys, he, he, he farms, uh, he mines, excuse me, not farm. He mines Ethereum and Bitcoin. And once I came on board with uh, Panda, he bought one of the um, the, the NFTs. He goes, man, look yeah. at this sick NFT. And I was like, you got one? He goes, yeah, because you, you're, you're part of it. I was like, that's what's up. And then I asked him what utilities. He's a big NFT guy. Um, so I, I always think it's cool when I get, when I become part of something and then your friends, you know, yeah. support it, I can say. And he, yeah. I'll, I'll send you a picture of the one he's got. And I, I thought it was kind of cool. It's different. Yeah. It, was, it was awesome. Yeah, send that to me later. I'd love to look at it. But like, you know, we built, we built essentially a membership club, right? So we're, we're, we're like golf courses, for example, right? You pay $20,000 to join, you pay $2,000 a month just to play. And then when you leave, you get nothing out of it, right? Like they don't give a fuck. They just, they, they toss you to the side. But with this, you literally own it. We've got a suite at Allegiant in Vegas. Like we get all the football games, concerts, all the other stuff. Like it's dope. Like there's a lot of fun stuff going on. And we're just building something really unique. And we just said, you know, at one point we were just like, let's get into the MMA game from a, from multiple perspectives, but from clothing specifically, like, and, and it was well-received, right? It was like, all right, this is kind of a cool brand. That's not just over the top, like, like tap out and affliction. Work, right. And so there's just something cool about that. Building a cool brand that, that people like people accept but also giving value in other ways. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I'll send it to you. You'll, you'll, you'll get it. So yeah, it was like yeah, I want to see that. It was like Gangster Panda. <laughs> I want to see that, for sure. Speaking of sponsors, wait, real quick. Peep this, dude. Xbox. That You're still sponsored by Xbox, right? I don't remember. No, sir. You're not, but you no, were. Sir. Are you no. still Team Xbox, though? Uh, no, I'm Team PC. Team Origin PC. I'm oh, a that's PC. Right. That's right. Yeah. I was going to say, PC, dude, yeah. anytime someone rips on me for being Xbox, I go, oh, yeah? You know, DJ's it. What are you going to say to him? Anyway. <laughs> Yo, so so here's the crazy thing is you've built up such a huge following on the gaming side that when, when, when I asked online, I'm like, hey, I'm meeting with DJ. Like, what questions would you guys like? Almost all video game stuff. Right? Which is wild to me. Wild to me. You got a top fucking three fighter all time and everybody's like, like what skin if he had if he had one choice of having his own skin in a game what game would it be street fighter 6 i think i think street fighter is the the goat of combat it's i mean I, i'm that's the only game i stream on youtube right now is, is street fighter 6 like i'm my goal is to become mass get to master level and that takes a lot a lot a lot of effort um especially a guy who doesn't play all the day who has three kids and a wife and works out and does jiu yeah. i mean that's if it, any skin in the game, it would be Street Fighter 6. All right. I want to see DJ versus Sub-Zero. 
that'd be Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Fucking casual. Uh, yeah, that'd yeah. be good. I mean, I mean, Mortal Kombat's good. They just came out Mortal Kombat One. Well, they showed the trailer. Um, Mortal Kombat for me is too brutal. It's just so brutal now that I'm just like everything you do is a fatality. So I kind of taking a step away from Mortal Kombat. How do you feel about Super Smash Bros? Oh shit. Uh, Super Smash Bros is I, I like the original Nintendo 64 version, but now it's just uh, I'm just not a fan of it anymore. It's still I think it's great. I like the last one they did, like when they added Simon Belmont, Trevor Belmont, uh, Ryu, Ken. Uh, I mean, they just added everybody in it under the Nintendo umbrella, or not Nintendo umbrella, but just they added everybody under the sun in fighting world. All right. What hey, what is the height to, to weight ratio on DJ versus Zhang on uh on Street Fighter? Shang? Zhang? 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 The big dude? Oh, oh Dang Eve? Dang Eve. That's it. My bad. Dang Eve. Oh, God. Uh, I don't know how tall he is, but he's fucking mass. I hate him. I hate him with a tall. <laughs> like, don't even be sorry. I didn't want to. Next question, man. I didn't want to get started. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go on to the, uh, we always break down a UFC card and, and just get everybody's picks around the table. You'll go first. Sam will go second. Mac will go third. I'll go fourth. All right. UFC 291. First fucking, what a banger card, Dude, by the way. This this card's fucking nuts. This card is great. All right. Michael, Mike Chiesa versus Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland is minus 145. If Michael Chiesa is... If Michael Chiesa is smart, I would take him down and, and submit him. I wouldn't stand with uh, Kevin Holland. So um, if I had to be a gamma man, I'm going to go with my Washington native, um, uh, Michael Chiesa. Nice. But, but, but I'm not, I mean, yeah, I'm going to go with him. I, I love Kevin Holland. You, you got to get him to the ground. You got to get him to the ground. And submit I him. love Kevin Holland, though. What a personality. Like, Oh, he's amazing. Yeah, I, I love him. He's, he's absolutely amazing. Matt? Um, I thought I was going third. But uh, yeah, I mean, the goat said it himself right there. Uh, Kiesa could be kind of hit and miss sometimes, you know. I mean, he's—it's not like he's had easy fights or anything. But uh, yeah, if he gets him down, that's where we've seen Kevin struggle over and over and over again. Um, so I, I anticipate he'll be take, shooting for the takedown. I think the line's decent enough. I'd probably go with uh, probably—I'd take Kevin. Right. Yeah, I, I'm there with you. I'm taking Kevin. Uh, I like Kies. I know him a little bit. A good dude, a lot of fun to be around, but I'm taking Holland. I think he's just got too much ability to not go to the ground, and he just – he's so long. He, I think he can hit anyone from anywhere. He's kind of like John Jones' length. He's just huge for the division. You know what? That's fucked up. Demetrius, you're sitting there like, I'm going to kick a fifth New Mexican's ass for picking Kevin Holland, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very concerned here that that the only fighter has Kiesa and the three morons are thinking Kevin Holland here. That concerns me. Hey, I want back Kiesa. What are you talking about? You got Kiesa, right? Yeah, I want Kiesa. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying the other three morons have are liking the Kevin Holland. Oh, hey, hey, that's okay. That's what, that's okay. No, no, no. I mean, Kevin Holland does show up, right? and Mike Kiesa can be hit and miss. I'm going look. I'm going Kevin Holland. I, I think he's. I think he's about to put together a run. Second fight. How about this one? The line on this shit. Tony Ferguson versus Bobby Green 
and Bobby Green is minus 390, so a four to one favorite over Tony. That's a terrible line. No. Is Tony that damage? Doing Bobby Green. Go on Bobby Green. Yeah, I'm following Bobby Green too. Uh, I've worked out with him once or twice. Dude's good. I mean, he is. I know he retired once or twice after a fight now, but it's, I think he was just, you know, in the moment. Bobby Green's got this. He's going to be able to stop the takedowns. I think he's going to be able to move too much for Berger to get a hold of him. I don't want to answer this one, man. You're not, you don't answer. You're on the hot seat. The bigger place. I don't know, man. It just doesn't feel right to me, man. It does not feel right to me to pick against Tony. I love Bobby, but, bro, minus 350 is straight disrespectful. Tony showed he still got it in his last fight, kind of. 400. 400, by the way. Four to one favorite. So that's it to say four fucking times he's going to beat him, really? Are you guys going to bully me into saying Bobby Green, bro? I'm going no, El Kukoy. No, not at all. No, I feel like I'm making a bunch of, like, I'm going to be Dude, I was wrong on every fight last time, and I'm not that bad at this. I'm going to take Tony, though, just for the odds. Fuck it. All right. Just so you know, if you are uh, if you if you lose every fight in the last card, you actually are that bad at it, by the way. <laughs> we all have off days, bro. It, it's not like it's not a debatable thing. You're just that bad at it. All, all right. right. Fair enough. Here we go. I'm taking. Uh, you know what? I'm taking fucking Tony. I'm taking Tony as a legend. At those kind of odds, I like it. You know what I can see, though? I can see one of those, like, really devastating, like, fuck, man. Like, KOs. Like, Chandler. Chandler KOing him. Isn't that crazy? I mean, Chandler's. I mean, you get what I mean, though? One of those KOs where you're just like, goddamn, hang it up, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could absolutely see it happening. 100%. Bobby's clean. Anyway, yeah, this next one's a banger. All right. Wonder Boy Thompson against Michael Pereira. No, Michelle. It's Michelle Pereira. Oh, Michelle. My bad. Mm -hmm. Michelle Pereira. Uh, Wonder Boy minus 160. So pretty tight line. I don't I don't know the uh, gentleman who's uh, fighting Wonder Boy, so I'm going to go with um, Wonder Boy. Oh, dude, you have to have seen him. He's the one that does, like, the moon moonsault kick. He's just wild. He fought Diego Sanchez. He's fine. He's the one that gasses in every fight because everything he does is explosive and and like backwards. front flips. Yeah. yeah, like dude with a beard, Brazilian guy. Usually has like a top knot, jacked. Come on, Johnny Walker, dude. He's like I've always said. He's like the version of that. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm. I'm hoping. I'm hoping uh, Wonder Boy can stop him and, and land a nice little clean, you know, karate high kick or cross to, to when he's doing all that. Crazy as you guys say he does. I have to see a picture of him, but uh, I'm going to go Wonderboy. I know what he's got. He's looking hungry. Hopefully he can, uh, you know, get through this one. Yeah, I'm taking Michelle. Michelle. Uh, he, he's just, he's explosive. He's so hard to read. He's good at closing the distance. And he'll close the distance from not straight in front of you. Uh, I am I love Wonderboy. He is one of my, I mean, he, he's on that list of, of people I might get nervous with. Uh, and people say he looks like me too. I get that a lot. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm taking my Michelle with this one. Um, I don't know. Uh, Wonder Boy taught me how to tie a karate gi, so I'm going with Wonder Boy. And he, dude, that fight he had last with Kev, Kevin Holland. Speaking of, bro, yeah. he still got it. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, when's the only time we've really seen Wonder Boy get jacked? I mean, 
Pettis. We were talking about Pettis creativity earlier. We didn't even because I erased that one from my head. Fuck that. But uh <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Wonder Boy. I think he's too technical. Um, I think he's he's Wonder Boy. Yeah, that's all I gotta say. Yeah. I'm going, I'm I, I'm on the Wonder Boy comeback train full force. Ooh, so I, I think we got him. I like Wonder Boy. All right. Then we get into the real shit here. Alex Perea and Blokovic. What a fucking fight Blokovic. that is. I'm going to go with Blokovic um, because I feel like Blokovic, when he fought Israel Asanya, <clears throat> he real, he showed that he can... I mean, see, when I get into these, it, it's about who's going to show up, right? Like, if, if I was to fight Alex Pereira, it would be... I would fight him in a clinch. I would I would <clears throat> fight him in a clinch, take him down, pass his guard, and submit him. Um, that, that's what I would do. Obviously, if Blakovich, uh approaches this fight like he did with Israel Adesanya, he should beat him, which he took easy down. So I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with uh, Blakovich. I'm hoping he's gonna come out there and listen to this game plan. I just put it in front of him. All right. So Alex, I don't think Alex is gonna win in the UFC again. Uh, wow. Yes. Wow. I know. Izzy took him down in that first fight like it was nothing. And Izzy doesn't wrestle. Alex was useless off his back. Like, he he didn't just do the badly. He did the wrong things off his back. And it's just the way it, way it worked out for him. Uh, and I don't think he's going to win again. I think the, the route to beat him is take him down and then do what you're going to with him. And I think Jan is, is very capable of doing that. Jan has that, you know, Polish power and hopefully doesn't rely on that to get the win. But I suspect everybody's just going to take Alex out and do what they want to him. Damn. Mac? Left hand go burr. No, um, I'm, I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going. You, I mean, that's one, dude. I, is there a man, you know, anywhere near his weight he can't knock out on this planet? Probably not. But, yeah, Blahovich already laid out the groundwork for how to do it. And how... How fucking gangster would it be for you to have a win over Izzy and Perea? I mean, that's some big brother shit, dude. Jan is is all about that life, and he never lets the moment get too crazy for him where he's going to trade and do something dumb. So the the safe pick is absolutely, yeah, Blahovich. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go Alex here. I'm going to say Alex in a, bat, in a bounce back win. Dude, he was – the guy was a fucking golden boy – Two months ago. And then Izzy yeah. came off the cage and beat him. When Alex, when I thought Alex was about to knock Izzy out, came off the cage and fucking knocked him out, right? And now and now nobody thinks he's going to win again? Like, come on. I got Alex. Well, I think, I think the biggest thing that people don't realize is that when you fight, this is the beautiful thing about mixed martial arts. If you can actually utilize what mixed martial arts is, it's the form of mix, mixing up the art forms, Right. So when you when you saw Izzy and Alex fight for the first time, it was a kickboxing match. Mm-hmm. It was just a kickboxing match. You had two kickboxers kickboxing. So in kickboxing, it's a puncher's chance. They're both long. They're both great kickboxers. So for me, when I saw that fight against Izzy, I was like, okay, it's going to be a good fight because they're both kickboxers. Now I'm, that's just what they go out and they do. You can't tell me that Izzy doesn't kickbox. When he fought, you know, Paulo Costa, he kickboxed when he fought. About Whitaker, it was kickboxing. He fought everybody. He's fights. Your Romero, it was kickboxing, right? So you get a, a, a gold, you get a world champion kickboxer in Alex Pereira. You have a high level kickboxer 
world champion kickboxer in Israel Adesanya, it's going to be a kickboxing match. So obviously Alex got in the first, the first fight, and in the second fight, it was seen another kickboxing match. Izzy got him, right? So when I look at Alex, he's a good fighter, but I always tell people, mixed martial arts is the easiest sport to become a world champion in. What I mean by that is that you can be a world champion and you can absolutely suck at fucking grappling in mixed martial arts. You can be an absolute garbage grappler, right? And we've already seen it in the sport of mixed martial arts, right? I'm not going to go on, on, on here, but if you guys have followed the sport, you guys know, or you can, be a horrible, you can be a horrible striker and still be a world champion. But if you want to be a world champion in boxing, you cannot suck at boxing. You want to be a world champion in jiu-jitsu, you can't be shitty at jiu-jitsu. You have to be good at jiu-jitsu. Right? You can't be a world champion in golf and suck at golf. You can be a world champion in mixed martial arts and suck ass in grappling. Right? So um, that's why um, that's why I think, you know, I'm not taking anything away. This is how I see it in, in, in my, if I was an analyst and how I feel about the sport of mixed martial arts. I think Ashbury is very good, but I think that he had the, he had the best rise to fame in mixed martial arts because he had that 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 battle with Izzy. But I think if Yon goes out there, doesn't let the moment get ahead of him, goes out there, test the distance, play the kickboxing match, get a body lock, pass his guard, take him down, and it should be easy fight. Easy fight. It should should be. I'm now, I'm now more confident in my Alex pick because everybody thinks <laughs> that Yon's gonna blast him. Like every look, anytime, look, you got you hey, Mighty Mouse, you you fucking know this. What happens on Sundays when everybody's like, oh, the Titans are going to beat the Ravens? Fucking Ravens win by 27. You know what I mean? Yeah, because no one's ever said that before. What? Titans ain't beating shit. I love how you said that. You're like, I am more confident in my picking Allen. <laughs> Just because everybody's opposite of me, I now feel better. Yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was funny. Real quick, I did think it was fucking funny when you were saying this. You were talking about, uh, you know, not being good. And I'm not even trying to, like, rip on anybody, but then I thought of the name, and then I thought of, dude, Ben Askren, bro. Like, not even to be a dick. His striking was just yeah. dog shit. I mean, and, and I mean that respectfully, straight up. I mean, that spinning back fist, but he's able to get – <laughs> he's got, he got Wait, was, was that the greatest trade in 1FC history? That's the greatest trade in mixed martial arts history. You damn in right it was. They got they got a workhorse stallion and they got a gentleman <laughs> pretty much retired, retired. So I literally I had this on my list. I'm like, how do you feel yep. about getting traded for fucking Ben Askren of all people? DJ knew hey, he wanted. I'm happy. I'm happy. <laughs> all right, final pick. What we got? Final. All right, final one. Banger. The BMF title is up for grabs from Jorge. We got Poirier and Gaethje. Hang on. And Poirier is minus 153. Depends on who had more hot sauce that week. <laughs> yeah. I would say I'm, I'm going to give this what I think. If, if Poirier, okay, Poirier is going to get his boxing going. But see, this is the thing. This is like when I say again, what's the thing about mixed martial arts? When you, when you see a guy like Charles Oliveira, when he fought both those guys, mm -hmm. he, fought, he fought Dustin Poirier and he also fought Justin Gaethje. The one thing he did different than everybody has done against those guys was he clinched them, he grappled them, and he stayed in their face, right? Each time he stayed in their face, he got dropped by both guys, 
But the thing that those guys didn't follow up on is go to the ground with him. But when he fought both those guys, when he got those guys in a clinch and need them and put them in a different realm, these guys are going to think it's going to be a boxing match, right? It's going to be a boxing match. They're going to kick each other. But once whatever athlete goes out there and makes it a mixed martial arts fight will win this fight. If, if, if they're going to exchange late kicks and, and punches and hooks and crosses, then it's going to see who's going to land that big shot, get rocked, and get finished. But so I don't have a pick for that one. I, I just when I when I, it's going to be a banger fight. But when I see guys who only utilize one part of the sport, I'm like, you're just throwing away. You might as well be burned up for fighting. You're not even going to grapple. Like you got to, yeah. So I'm not going to pick. I'll let you guys do this one. All right. I'm taking Gaethje. Hang on, DJ, pick a fucking guy. Come on. <laughs> Fight the gold, dude. God damn it. Uh, I'm going to go Dustin Poirier. He's got he's to check those late kicks that Gaethje's going to throw. If he just check the late kicks, and Dustin's going to have his way with him. I mean, Gaethje's going to have his way with him. So I'm going to go Dustin Poirier. I think he's a cleaner boxer. He's a big fucking guy. <laughs> We're not gonna let you off on this show, brother. Uh, I, I'm taking Gaethje. I just I think he's faster. I think he's gonna land a little more. In Poye's last fight, there was Poye won. There was a moment where I just saw I saw quit in in the moment, and I haven't seen that out of Gaethje yet. Uh, and so I, I'm I'm rolling with Gaethje. Uh, my pick is the fans, like. Bro, how do you, you can't fucking pick that one? I, I'm with. I'm, don't give me that fucking look, bro. I mean, I don't. I'm like, I'm with you on that one. Who fucking knows, bro? Like these two guys, they get in. There, I, I'm agree with you, hundred percent. That uh, you know, Poirier is the cleaner. Poirier is one of the best strikers, like purely. Um, Gaethje didn't shoot a takedown till Fizayev, or yeah, Fizayev. I can never pronounce his name right, but yeah, Raphael in London. I got a video of it. His only takedown in UFC history. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to see a lot of that. It's going to be another one of the same. Like that stretch of Poirier, Gaethje, Gaethje, uh, Alvarez, all that shit, bro. It's just going to be another one of those bangers. Probably cleaned up a little bit this time. Um, if I have to pick, I would probably. Yeah, probably probably Poirier. All right. I, th I think a lot of I think a lot of main cards overhype to be honest, and they don't deliver. I think this card delivers. Um, and, and I like Poirier. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. You know, I think it's interesting, Mighty Mouse. Like, I've talked to a lot of, a lot of UFC fighters, and like Sam follows the sport and knows a lot about, but I've never talked to one that follows it as much as you, man. Like, you literally... Every fight we brought up, you're like rattling off their last couple of fights, man. And it doesn't surprise me because, like I said, you've got to probably be – no, hands down. You have the best fight IQ I've ever seen. So it's almost – I don't know. It's just impressive, man. Thanks, man. I mean, I still watch. I watch a lot. I just want to tell people I watch. I don't comment on Twitter or Instagram like, oh, man, that was a great fight. Oh, I just sit there and I digest it. And I'm like, okay, you could have done this. And, yeah, I just I'm – a, I'm a closet – not a closet guy, but I just don't – People, I'm watching. I'm always watching. Like Illy, like once, once, like he was the last one that I saw and I watched and I was impressed and I was like, okay. The way he passed guard like that, I was like, okay. You got my follow. Beep. Nah. <laughs> I'm sure that made his day. Yeah. I mean, look, there's a lot of high IQ fighters out there. Like, I don't, I don't want to, you know, say that people aren't, but like, 
DJ, John. John's a fucking high IQ fighter, obviously. That's why he's worried. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right? Um, yep. Fucking Ilya, Bo Nickel, Volkanovsky. I mean, there's a lot of high IQ fighters out there. Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's, yeah. it's good Bo to Nickel. watch because that's so that's so important in the game. Yeah, and see, and the thing was going to, it's that's, it, and when I was coming to my amateur days, my, my coach made me do every single combat, every single sport. So I've had a kickboxing, I've had a Muay Thai fight, I've, had, I've done multiple jiu-jitsu tournaments, I've had a boxing fight, and so when I see a guy like Bo Nickel, the way to beat him is you have to be good on your feet, you have to move, you can't be stagnant, you have to move, you have to fight him on a kickbox, you have to chop his legs, you got to make him... Because he, at, the, at the end of the day, as my coach say, he's an amateur on the feet, right? Like, he's not going, you know, one, two, three, move, two, three, high kick, push kicks you. So, but Bonaco, he has that great wrestling, and his hands look great in his last fight because the guy got caught and got stiff. But, yeah, that's just my mind. When I start, like, my IQ starts going, I'm like, hey, I see Bonaco, everybody's like, man, he's so amazing. I'm like, hey, how do you beat him? Oh, this is how you beat him. I, this is what I, this is his deficiencies or whatnot. So, but, yeah. That's why I like talking. I don't like talking MMA because my mind isn't. I don't get off on who's gonna win. I, I get off on like, okay, what did what did they need to do, and that sometimes translates into boring uh, what people hear it. Or there's people out there who go, so I want to know that. So when I'm watching the fight, I can see what you mean by, oh, if I was a, if I was a, you know, if I've done ten kickboxing fights, oh, I need to move. I need to be active, move, have good range, good movement, make him guess, make him overextend, make him make him second guess his range or his distance. Make him uncomfortable because once you make him uncomfortable and he doesn't understand his distance, then that's when he's gonna second guess himself. Goes, oh, I think I'm close to throw a jab. He throws a jab, pop, pop, pop. Then you, then you counter him. Um, that's what goes through my mind when I'm watching fights. So that's when I watch fights. I'm just sitting there like this whole time. But, yeah, you just yeah. digest them. I mean, I'm usually I don't like making picks. We started a, po- a podcast where we make picks, and I'm gonna look like an idiot most of the time because I just like absorbing this shit. But I'm not doing calculations like you, man. It's impressive, man. And it's cool. It's cool to see you're such a fan. <laughs> Thanks. DJ, huge thank you for coming on. Appreciate you coming on, making the picks, talking about life and family and fighting and all the stuff that, you know, is part of life. I appreciate that. Absolutely. No, thank you for having me on. And let me know when you're on it again. I'll see you in that picture too as well. And, uh, yeah, yeah, do that. I want to see that. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. And uh, I'm going to get back to life and kids been two hours talking about uh, yeah no kidding man we, we kept you on for a long time so hey go enjoy the kids we don't need wifey pissed off <laughs> yeah yeah fingers crossed fingers crossed appreciate you guys hey, have a go, man. Man. but there you have it lads and lasses 291 ufc 291 this weekend we got the bmf there's no reason it doesn't need to be but the bmf belt is back Rematch, Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier. We made our picks with the one and only Demetrius Johnson. Shout out to him. Thanks, thank you for spending two hours with us today. It's insane. Um, make sure you follow Sam Alvey, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I don't think you have Facebook, do you, Sam? I have a Facebook. I'm starting to get on it, but YouTube's where I'm trying to blow up right now. All right, let's go YouTube. All of them, all of them. Sam Alvey, Ice Bags. And if you if you feel like throwing a pity follow to your boy here, Mac Malley MMA, what's up? All right, Overdogs Podcast out. Bang.